Welcome to Savvy Savvy's podcast on call in. This is episode 139, Kamala's speech, anti-Biden campaign, Elon Musk, and more, and whatever else you want to discuss that has uh, happened this week. Like I said, this week has been um, quite a doozy, I think, in reference uh, to news. So I see Notori is already first in the queue. Let's go ahead and bring in Notori. Actually, let me go ahead and adjust my volume on my phone, my media volume, so I'll be able to hear Notori. But let's go ahead and bring in Notori as the first caller. What's going on, Notori? I see you made it first in line, Miss Ma'am. Just gotta hit the unmute button. Now give it a second. Um, but it has been quite a doozy, I tell you, with the news what to speak. Let me see if I'm um, notorious. If I invite you as a speaker, sometimes that fixes the problem. Can you guys believe after all this time, this app still has that issue? It's really funny to me. We can ask some, we can do some polling over who saw the blue lines. <laughs> I was like, what? It was so funny when someone said great white crisp shirt, Savvy. Yeah. I was like, white? <laughs> it's a, it's a, you Ooh, know, damn it. Yeah, you know that style, don't you, Eric? Where it's a it's white, but like it's all blue lines. So like, well, don't ask me about style and fashion, but I did see vertical blue lines eventually. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bad cookies, you're wrong for that. Bad cookie said the shirt is cracker white. <laughs> Bad cookie's oh. been wrong all night. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Notori. Whenever you're ready, you just have to unmute. Bottom left corner. Um, while we wait for you, I'll go ahead and bring in uh, Miss Delthea. Miss Delthea, you are Hi. on the mic. Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. What's up? Hey, um, just a couple of things. First off, I'm glad I don't have Kamala's nerve in my tooth. If I did, I'd be at the dentist all the time. <laughs> <laughs> She's something else, huh? Oh my God! Oh. And I don't. Oh, and, and Jaya Paul. Every time I see her, I just I don't know. I feel like I need some milk of magnesia or something because I got to move the shit. That's all there is to it. I got to move. <laughs> oh, Jaya Paul always has this look on her face where she just looks like she's uncomfortable. That could just be her expression, but. Well, she, no, she she looked. She is the personification of constipation. She's full of shit. <laughs> I've never heard anybody say that before. <laughs> and that's and that's why and that's why she is. That's why she looked the way she looked. Let's let's, let's just be real. Um, and about um, see, I missed some of your podcast tonight because my neighbors are going crazy, and I keep going to the door and telling them to shut the hell up. Um. But I wanted to say this about um, Professor West. A lot of academics are very bad with money. Um, the two main groups that I consider myself a member of, leftists and artists, they don't get money. They just don't get it. They think it's dirty. They think it's bad. And they will not learn how to take care of it. Mm-hmm. So when he says that he, I was bad with money, he probably still is. 
I have I have done individual counseling with these people. I have done workshops for these people. I have done workshops for their children. Their children, listen, thank God. Lord, I had one poor child. She wound up keeping the books for her whole family because they were like, oh, she'll take care of it. Mm. So I'm not really sure what this, this article thinks it's doing, but um, they're basically telling you that water's wet and the sun comes up in the east. <laughs> you know, academics can't handle money. But that, that, yeah. And dust is dry. Thank you very much. Um, and with that, I'm going to let y'all go. And yeah. I will talk to y'all later. Thanks so much for that, Delthea. Yeah, I'll add to that, actually, because some people may not be aware of this. When I actually first started working in higher ed, I worked in finance, right? And that was not my dream job in higher ed. My dream job was to work in student services. But the job was like, they're like, you start off with this and then we'll make sure that you get to where you want to go, which they did. They they did make sure that I got to student services, which isn't easy to get because that's that's actually the field where a lot of people who are on the administration side, they want to work with student services. So those positions can be difficult to get, right? So peep this. When I worked in, in finance services, the, the money that you're managing is faculty money most of the time. And had it not been, if it's not for the financial assistance, they would like just lose their shit because Delthea is right. They don't keep up with how they're spending their money. They really don't. And like they get like funding and things like that, like from you got to remember, like I worked in the sciences, right? So a little bit different from where Dr. West's department, but I worked in the engineering department. I worked in physics uh, at MIT. I worked in engineering again at BU. I worked at the business school. Like, but for the most part, most of my experience in higher ed has been in the sciences. So, and those guys, like, especially the ones at MIT, they're so into their research, they're not paying attention to those things. So like, we would have to be the ones to tell them, no, 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 no you can't do that because you have this amount of money in the budget allocated for such and such expenses. So that's why they had people like us. All right, uh, Notori, whenever you are uh, ready, you can go ahead and unmute and I'll bring you in as well. And while she's trying, I'll just say like, like, do we really need to be electing more lawyers and bankers? (laughs) Right. With money. Okay. Okay, Notori said I can come back to her. All right, let's go ahead and bring in uh, Noelle. Good evening, everybody. And let me start off the top saying congratulations on getting 60,000 subscriptions. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Noelle. You are really doing your thing. And I must say, you know, it is, you know, your common touch that that really spins it because you say the things that everyday people are thinking and you see the things in ways that are clear and that that clarity is just it can't be beat so i wanted to start off by saying congratulations girl um but that with that i want to um, pivot to the cornell thing you know i don't think the real critique is the financial mismanagement, if you will. Because I think everybody understands that. I think this is a, the more um, 
in-depth or the more sage critique is to infidelity. Because, you know, he's supposed to be, you know, all ministerial, this and that. And so the the more potent critique of him as a candidate for president is not so much that he mismanages money, but that he has a problem with fidelity, which speaks to, which speaks to a type of commitment, which speaks to a type of um, being disciplined. And so, and, and it's a funny kind of thing because it almost ties to this jumping from, you know, party to party to independent this and that. It's like he just goes with his gut. But the truth of the matter is, he does say that he is part gangster. And, and this is, I guess, a part of what he means um, when he says he's a jazz man, he's constantly ab-living and things of this nature. But I think the the real critique here is not the financial piece. Um, it is the infidelity. And to your point that you made in the show, this brings brings the scholar back down to the everyday common man. And even though it makes the connection in a positive way, I think, to everyday people, to the elites, it is a reminder that, oh, this is an imposter because at the end of the day, you know, they just a common old N word. You know, they just, Mm -hmm. you know, knew how to hook up some phrases and clauses. And so this is who he really is. He just the same as the rest. Yep. And and so and I think in a way it is a very um, low place, especially the way they describe him. And I'm thinking to myself, well, y'all don't just call Hunter Biden a common crackhead. Ooh, child. You know, you don't just come out with that. You always you open it with, oh, the Bidens love and support their son. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just interesting that, and and it does speak to the fact that. No matter how high you rise in this society as a black man, you will always be suspect or available to have that rug snatched from under you in the worst of ways and remind you of where you come from in this society. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just something they will simply spare their people of, even if you've done tit for tat, the same things and worse. You still get the privilege that your white skin affords you. So even in this this deep into the 21st century, it's still a play on the same old thing. And with Pramila Jayapal, I think a part of her problem is, and I think this is a problem with a lot of those people, she comes across to me as a decent person and fairly bright. So it's not as easy for her to do this double step and lying and speaking half truths that she feels she has to do. And that's why she comes off as uncomfortable. Whereas Kamala Harris just comes off to my thinking, it's just in over her head. She just simply comes off as a cackling hen who gets nervous, you know, but Pramila comes across as, ooh, I know, what I'm trying to negotiate here is not quite right, but I have to do it. And so she's always kind of ill at ease. But um, And Kamala just has the worst presentation skills. 
And I find it interesting that they're sending her out to speak on these issues. And I don't know if they're trying to bolster her foreign affairs gravitas or whatever, but it simply to me hurts things worse because it's it reminds people of why they are not interested in seeing her in a presidential role because she doesn't have a presidential comportment. But then it also reminds you or suggests to you that the reason she's out there is because Biden is just too far gone to be doing all of this traveling and all this heavy duty engagement. So they're trying to, you know, put her out there. But I think it's just, you know, and then again, it's a way to deflect all the negative ire from him and put it on her. You know, they have a way of doing that, too. But those are my two comments on those two issues. All right, let's go ahead and um, whenever you're ready, just jump into Tori. Let's go ahead and bring in Frank. Frank, you are on the the miggity miggity mic. Just gotta unmute. I can't unsee the constipation thing now that uh, Delthea said that. What's going on, Frank? Hello. <laughs> What's up? Oh, Frank, can't hear you, Frank. I, I'm having trouble uh, hearing hear what you're me. saying because you're breaking up. Getting better? No, no, you're breaking up. How about um, leave and come back and I'll pull you up to the speaker um, part. That might fix it. Yeah, leave and come back, and I'll pull you up to the speaker part. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Just because we can't, I can't under, understand what you're you're saying. While we wait for that, uh, Roger, what's up? You want to go ahead and unmute? Okay. So first, congratulations on sixty thousand subscribers. Thank you. And congratulations on your white dress shirt. You 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 know who you know who you look like with, with that shirt? Um you look like um uh, a black version of that there was this group that was a, it was a husband and a wife back in the eighties called New Shoes. <laughs> and did, oh you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, my dad has their album. <laughs> you look with that shirt, you look like a black version of her. <laughs> like always smiling and so on and so forth. But anyway, um I wanted to I wanted to also say um what do you call it? About some of the stuff that you was talking about today. And hold up, hold up, hold up. I think I got it, I think I got it. Uh hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Hold up. You know I had it written out. Ah, oh, damn. I don't know where it went to. But, but um, oh, when you was talking about APAC, right, um, this is exactly why you're starting to see states um, begin the, um, the legislation, and some of them already passed it, like Maine, well, at least um, this ballot initiative, to ban foreign financing of elections, um, anyone who has foreign, even though it, even though it's 
it's it's mostly for like state politics and local politics and so on and so forth. They see it coming. We had a bill in New York that does the same thing, but it only passed one chamber. So it got to come up again. Um, I hope you're able to hear me with all this traffic. Yeah, I hear you. Um, also, Arab Americans are in swing states like Michigan, Minnesota, Arizona, Wisconsin, Florida, Georgia, Nevada, and Pennsylvania. The best way to black people to make ourselves swing voters, just like they made themselves swing voters, is to register independent since we're mostly in solid red states. Um, but also, since we're mostly in solid uh, red, red, red states, um, no, no, also, Sabrina, uh, just like with the Democrat Party, with the under 50 crowd is already doing it. it you know, we're already uh, leaving. We're already, the, you know, the under 50 crowd of our community is already using leverage. I just don't think that they see it yet. I still think that they are taking us for granted and thinking that we won't withhold our votes. So it's going to end up being a rude awakening. I think so, too. You know, they, you know, they just don't know. Also, those, those chips that she was talking about with Elon Musk, right? So think about this. What about someone hacking in, hacking your brain to do a, to do a Reggie Jackson number from Naked Gun and become an assassin? And then they forget about it once the deed is done. Okay. Ooh. I mean, I don't know if you ever saw the Naked Gun when they had Reggie Jackson try to kill somebody. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's say if Elon does use it for the force of good for benevolent means rather than malevolent means, okay, he's not going to hold the he's not going to hold the patent forever. So eventually other companies and even the government is going to have this technology, you know, so he could speak for himself. You know, you might be benevolent, can't necessarily say that will extend to those who never promised that once they get it in their hands. Mm. See what I'm saying? Um, and as far as like talking about with uh, it can be used for neuro neurological issues and fix that and so on and so forth. Well, how about looking into the causes of these problems? Why? we have these issues in the first place. There might be a natural cure for it, but it also means returning back to the earth. It's the equivalent of him building an air, an air cleaner to suck all the bad stuff out of the atmosphere to clean out the air. Instead of just, why don't we just plant more trees, increase our forestation and our hemp fields, which take out more... Um, carbon dioxide than trees do. You see what I'm saying? They're, they're trying to use technology to do things that nature already does, but they don't allow nature to, to run its course and do the thing that it's supposed to do in the first place because it's suppressing it. Think about when everything stopped during the pandemic, all the lockdowns, the Manhattan skyline cleared up because nobody was driving. You know what I mean? You, you give the earth a chance to heal itself all those things that you have. I mean, people might have these, these MS, what was it, uh, multiple sclerosis and all this other stuff. 
Because, you know, I don't know what's in the food. What's in the water? What are you putting into the air? Oh, that's a good point. You know, Roger, it's interesting because, you know, I am not anti-technology because I see where there can be applications um, for various advances in technology to assist and make life better. But here's my concern. I look at the talk of chip implementation and that type of thing. And I look at, compare it to the development of the mRNA technology. You know, at the same time that they were doing this, we were having an issue with the um, Defense Department wanting to do testing. And as it turns out, it appears that even though the Obama administration put a moratorium on gain-of-function testing, um, Dr. Fauci, under the auspices or the influence of the Defense Department, got around that and went ahead and issued the contract because there, whatever technologies come online, they're so busy trying to weaponize it. You know, yep. you're moving in a dual track as you're trying to develop and propagandize the benefits of it. At the very same time, you have the governmental forces especially the military industrial complex trying to weaponize it. So in this day and age, when you, when the trust of government is at an all time low, even if a, a entrepreneur came up with something that, you know, sounds beautiful and it's, you know, this, that, and a third, people just can't trust the government nor the corporate community with implementation because what we see time and time again is they're so determined and so, you know, focused on gaining control of people till, you know, even if they found a fountain of youth, they would be trying to figure a way to keep it from everyday people so they could keep, you know, the workers working and they be the ones who live forever. Ooh, child. That's, that's a good, I know that's too many ooh chows tonight, but that's, that's a really good point. You guys are bringing up really good examples. Um, that I didn't really think about in reference to this particular issue. You know, but again, it, it's always back to who controls it, you know, and who benefits from it. And as long as we have this system where the billionaires and the megacorps and the bankers and all and big farmer, you know, as long as they're in control, the technology is going to be shitty and it's going to work for them and it's going to literally kill us. So, I mean, if, if you're not going back to the, to the money and the corruption, then, you know, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. Okay, Frank. Let's try it again. You just got to unmute. Okay. okay. My no. Um, Is it better? Are you using your phone? Or, hold on. Go ahead. Oh. You're fine now. Yeah. Um, You're fine now. Okay, good. I'll, I'll just stand here. <laughs> I don't. I won't move. <laughs> I, I did go up to the Elijah McLean uh, paramedics uh, trial, uh, criminal trial uh, in Adams County, just north, it's about thirty miles north of here, and uh, last week, and, and um, it's still ongoing. And um, uh, I went to the first day of jury selection, and um, both the, this of course, because they're defending um, a paramedic, a couple of paramedics, 
we're actually um, looking for people that were biased towards paramedics and law enforcement and authority figures, which is typical of prosecutors too. And this prosecutor did not own that, but so they end up with a jury to authority figures, no being authority figures, no matter what goes wrong, no matter what they say, no matter what they do. And um, that's how they rig juries, this injury selections, how they rig jury selections. It's, it's, I'm sorry, it's, it's hard to hear you again. And I was all that I saw in the second day because of how I was. Yeah, sorry, Frank. It sounds like a bad I tried to watch on the internet the second day. So, I think we're going to have to come. I'm sorry, Frank. I have to come back, okay? I'm sorry. I have to I have to come back. Let me go ahead and bring in um a kid. What's up a kid? You're on the mic. Hey, Savvy, can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, great. Thank you. Yeah, hopefully Frank can get on later. Uh, maybe he's in a bad spot with his phone. It could be that. Yeah. You know, what I was going to say was, you know, with Kamala, you know, and I put it on one, I think I, I sent a, like a, a super chat, but I, what I was saying was, I mean, you know, it's hard, it's hard to believe that a person of color can't see, you know, how bad things are for other people of color, speaking specifically about the Palestinians and how you can sell yourself out to the point where everything that you, the way that you, that she's framing everything is pro Israeli or the side of the Israeli folks and not acknowledging that if, if she was just willing to anybody, it could be anybody, but um, if she was just on the right side of history, everybody could see that uh, including, you know, people that are not necessarily, you know, third party or whatever, just the everyday person could see that what's going on is wrong. Right. But mm -hmm. Her alignment with money, APAC, and, and the such makes it so that they have to create this false narrative and it blatantly tell us lies as she's standing standing up on that podium. She's basically lying to us. And and what's happened is now the narrative is uncontrollable because of all the platforms. Young folks don't believe them. Uh, the older folks that are still watching CNN and the regular cable channels, they're dying off. Um, mm -hmm. Right. So all of that's happening real time in front of us right now. It's undeniable. They can't control what's happening. Uh, and it's too bad that those people, because if you think about it, if you start to stand back, there is a lot of people of color, uh, maybe not the numbers of them, but there's definitely people of color in high level positions of the government, whether it's, you know, the military, uh, whether it's Kamala, you name it, they're all there, but yet they 
are there for a reason. They're they're basically the same as previous years. Their white counterparts were in the same positions. They're there to promote the status quo. They're not there on behalf of the people that look like them. And that just shows you how, how well conditioned the system is that essentially, even if you put a person of color in a, in a position of power, 10 times, well, I mean, sorry, nine times out of 10, maybe even more, they're not going to do what's right on behalf of people. Well, the everyday American. The thing you got to remember is that they wouldn't be in that position in the first place, right? People who they don't they don't get selected, so it, it's like a it's like a chicken and the egg thing. You know what I mean? That's right. Yeah, that's right. You're right, Eric, about that. You know, and I think was it Roger? I don't know what Roger was. Rogers got got me thinking about. I think he was talking about the environment. I don't know what he just said. But it got me thinking about, you know, the world population is about 8 billion people. And there's all these things that are basically coming into play where all these countries are going to need power, China, India, and so on. And there is no, I don't know that there's any any sort of magic bullet that's going to get us out of, if, if we believe that climate change is doing what we, what we hear is doing, with this many people in the planet, I just don't know that we have the technology yet to 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 make things better uh, because everything is petroleum based, you know, everything. And then now even the batteries, you know, the batteries that are putting it into the electric cars and, and how those batteries are mined, the materials that are mined in, in Africa, which I think that's where 70 percent of, of this comes from, maybe more. Those people are getting, you know, they're essentially killing themselves to make these these batteries that we use in the West and the rest of the world. And, and you know, they don't even get to uh, and they don't get to even get much of those resources back to them for what they're producing for the rest of the world. So it, it, it just to me, it's just this imbalance of the world, how crazy it is. I, I don't know what what's going to happen. Because I almost think you need the aliens to come down or something else and, for things to get straightened out. And it's funny you should mention that, Eric, because, you know, I, I follow a variety of things. Yes. But the, I also follow the paranormal and those type of occurrences. And there is this doctor named Stephen Greer who's very deep into the extraterrestrial alien connectivity mm -hmm. to the government and what he has suggested is that the u.s government has actually back engineered some of the technologies of alien craft that have ended up on this planet and that they actually understand now how to use gravitational fields and this and that to create power which would be a um clean source of power and and frankly an endless source of power because they're just using the um uh, the abundant energy that's in the molecules and they were saying you know the molecules and potential energy in a teacup could supply endless amounts of energy you just have to know how to access it and, and work it and that they have you know figured out a portion of it but the problem is they there it has come through through the deep state and the 
to introduce that type of technology without some level of preparation through you know propaganda would destabilize the world because instantly you would have all this power and stuff available in a clean way so how would you control the people per se and the economy and this and that so they want to roll it out but they want to roll it out in such a way that it does not pique too much curiosity about you know the the presence of aliens in terms of being here and they want to you know figure out how to maintain control over the people at the same time but his group is saying is they have the understanding of how to do it but those other social you know control factors are what's prohibiting things from moving well you know what it's interesting noel because i also have been studying you know the subject that you're saying for many decades and and greer is a funny character because i mean he has a title doctor the 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 problem with greer he has a lot of things to talk about and it's always as if though he is the one that's come up or that these things are kind of coming through his life uh, there's some truth to what he's saying greer but i but i find him a little bit hard to believe overall just because he has so many things that he tries to refocus back on himself you know, the, the only I, what i can tell you in in the one subject in or the one storyline that has remained constant in that in in that area that you're speaking about is 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 basically bob lazar you know the story of bob lazar from area 51 but you know and i don't want to go you know like going on a tangent on that because some people as soon as you talk about that they some people dismiss it but you know my understanding is that the material sciences they have been trying to back engineer this technology that they've had for now for more than 40 50 years since the 50s they have been trying to back engineer the technology but they ha- they they understand some of it how it works but they don't have the material science to reproduce it the actual ma- the means to reproduce what they're understanding you know it's sort of like saying if we were to go back to uh, let's say the Indian days when uh, the cowboys were around, let's just say, if you were to go back in those times and you were to come up with a motorcycle and you showed up with a motorcycle, which is made up of petroleum and plastic and metal, eventually you could get somebody to turn the key and ride that motorcycle. But to be able to produce the materials and the fuel for that motorcycle would take many years, right? It's somewhat similar to that, but I agree with you, Noel. That is a very interesting, interesting point. That it could be that they do have not only understanding, maybe they're already having the means or how to produce that clean energy. But to your point, how would they be able to control it? And then how would they be able to manipulate the way they manipulate us now with the petrol, with with the gasoline? They, they, it would be pretty hard for them to do that. And all the other companies who make money off of us from various, you know, streams, they would have to go away. So I, I think there could be truth to what you're saying, and, and, and he could be right about that. Uh, the other point I wanted to touch on, Savvy, uh, was on Cornell West. You know, I think everything that, you know, it was interesting that Forbes magazine, who's a right right. I don't want. I don't want to say right wing, but it's conservative. It's certainly Republican, pro Republican, and they have a big footprint. And I don't know if you know this, but I've kept 
of watch on Forbes, they release a ton of videos that are sort of pro-Republican, pro-right perspective on YouTube constantly because they have the resources to do it. They're constantly putting all kinds of little videos. Forbes is. What I find interesting is that they're doing the hit piece on Cornell when they are, you know, like I said, pro-Republican. So to me, there's a concerted yeah. effort, a collective effort to go after Cornell and maybe the, the likes of someone like Cornell, not just on the, on, the, on the left, the Democratic side, but also on the Republican side, which tells you they just don't want anybody who's going to be out of the status quo. But none, nothing that, that was said on that piece from Forbes, I don't believe in, in this day and age would lead anybody to not vote for him. You know, the fact that, okay, maybe he's, he's had a lot of uh, uh, women in his life and he's, he, he didn't know how to spend the money. I don't care about that. The fact that he hasn't, maybe he missed some of his child support uh, checks doesn't mean that he hasn't made the payments. Maybe he missed them. That's understandable. Uh, the fact right. that he right. doesn't know how to manage his money, I can understand that too. Right. I so, mean, my thing is too, like, like not to be funny or anything, but the part where they said that Cornell West had a love den, I, I couldn't <laughs> help but laugh because I was just like, so what? What does that have to do with him being president? I'm like, okay, so maybe if this is true, okay, so maybe Cornell West was a player. So what? So was JFK. That's right. They're trying to they're trying to um do the do the uh black man trope womanizer Mac yep. player type thing. I was laughing my ass off. You didn't hear me laughing all the way in Boston? Oh, you, you didn't hear me laughing? <laughs> screaming laughing? No, the I mean, wind like, didn't carry it all the way up to Boston? No, <laughs> I was laughing like, my ass off. Honestly, like, seriously, like, RFK Jr. was a womanizer. Like, this isn't a secret. Like, this is something that he's talked about himself. So if you Google it, you can see him having spoken about this before. Like, so what? Like, I don't see y'all talking about, you know, him in in that way. Like, they come after him for other things. But I don't see them calling out the (laughs) fact that, you know, he was, he also had affairs on his previous wife. I don't know about the wife he's with now, um, Cheryl Hines, but he was married before. And he was cheating on her too. So I'm just like, come on, man. I'm like, that just cracked me up. They said that Dr. West had a love den. And Savvy, did they say that he was living at the Four Seasons? Isn't that a hotel? Yeah. I, I mean, that's expensive too. I don't know how you could live there, but that's just um, kind of odd. But, but you know, the, oh, the, the other thing I was going to mention to you too, Savvy, sometimes, you know, when I hear Jaya Paul or any of the, the Democratic uh, supposedly progressive folks, I find it amazing that when they're getting asked these stupid questions, that they don't, they, they don't break out of character. That in other words, instead of just falling in line with the, with the, with the answer that they're going to give uh, the audience – why don't they just break out of character and tell the, 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 the journalist who's reading the prompter and say, hey, you know what? How about you st- stop reading the prompter and let's look at this realistically. Israel has been killing thousands of people for, for how many years? And now you're asking me about this many people. Your question seems idiotic. 
But it just seems like nobody's willing to break that. Like, just say, hey, stop asking the stupid questions. And I think that's why Norman uh, Finkelstein does so well on the interviews because of the way he answers the questions. And he basically says, hey, I'm not going to answer the way that you're asking me this question that seems kind of imbecile, kind of stupid. But you, notice, but you notice they never have him on. You know, no, anybody who does that, they're gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if more people were willing to do it, because, you know, Savvy made a great point on the show today, which I never even thought about. Savvy said that when Jayapal was getting interviewed, like, she doesn't have to do that interview. Like, it's mm-hmm. not part of her job, right? It's ego. Yeah. It's e- like, 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 seriously, they don't have to accept, like, when they're invited on to CNN, MSNBC, they don't have to accept it. If you guys notice, notice you always see the same people come on there. It's either Pramila Jayapal, Ro Khanna, every now and then, maybe, maybe AOC. But for the most part, who do they go to? Pramila Jayapal, Ro Khanna, Elizabeth Warren. That's because everybody else say no. That's right. Did, did you get the, um, the, did you talk about the, the about, I'm pretty sure you, I must have turned away from the screen, but you did you talk about um, the House vote today on equating anti-Semitism with anti-Zionism? I covered that last, I covered that on Sunday. Oh, so why does it say that it it they the house voted for it today or something? Because they did actually have the vote, the official vote. I think they did this twice, but um, I covered it on Sunday. In fact, I showed the votes on stream okay. on Sunday. Yeah, because the clip, Eric, the clip is already out for that. So the clip came out for that today. So on the thumbnail, it has um, Chuck Schumer. And it has the squad. So okay. you'll see that the, the votes and stuff already happened and Rashida Tlaib voted present. So they must have voted again. Yeah, because looking at it, I put it in the chat and all the squad voted no. They said there was 13 Democrats that voted no, not not voting, not present, but no. Um, so it's 13 Democrats and all of the squad was was part of it. Did I read something about them having a resolution that went even further? Maybe that's yeah, it. Must have, they must have added something else to it because when I covered it on Sunday, it was either Sunday right. or Friday. I forget which no, day no, I covered yeah. it. it. It was either Sunday or Friday. It might have been Friday I covered it. Rashida right, Tlaib voted present. Present, right. Yep. This one I'm looking at, it said something about a resolution. I mean, I put it in, in the chat, but um, if they, the whole squad voted no. Um, but also, something I forgot to mention about those chips in, in people's head. They, let me tell you who, who they're going to start with. They're going to start with prisoners and they're going to start with soldiers. Okay? Mm. Because that's what they did with LSD and all these other experiments. They, they start with people that are expendable. That's and like, um, it kind of sounds like a Black Mirror episode, to be honest with you. Sounds like MK Ultra. <laughs> yeah, that's a, like the Manchurian Candidate. Yep. Yeah, exactly. But you're right. They they would probably start with prisoners first. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that wild? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I like your. And, they feel like your life doesn't matter if you're a prisoner. Well, you know, yeah. you know, Savvy. What I was going to mention to you was, you know, you had that little clip with the gentleman that was from the Muslim community, and I guess they they did some kind of get together. 
to align on the fact that they're not going to vote for Biden. And then he did that little uh, video. I don't know if it was TikTok or whatever it was. Yeah. And now, you know, they're not as out there or, or as maybe, you know, leftists or whatever you want to call it. They're, they're democratic base, you know, because at the end of the day, he said, you know, we're not going to vote for the Democrats to teach him a lesson. But what I was very impressed by, you know, how quickly they mobilized to do this. I personally don't know, you know, any Muslim leaders per se. Uh, me, I mean, I think there's Keith Ellison, who, who's, I don't, I think he's Muslim per se, but he's not, you know, I, I don't know. I, they, they've had him on some shows. But I, my point is, I don't know too many Muslim leaders per se, me by first name or anything like that. But my, you know, what I'm impressed with is that how quickly they mobilize to say, hey, you know what, we're not going to take this and we're going to demand that we're going to teach these guys a lesson. We're not going to vote for Trump, but we're not going to vote for uh, the Democrat Biden. And yeah, you know, the fact that they, they're so resolved to do this, and I wish that we could do something like that more uh you know, on our on our side in some way where we could say, hey, you know what, we're not going to vote for the Democratic Party no matter what. And we're going to vote. If we are going to vote, we're going to vote for third party. And, well, and on top of that, here's our demands, you know. And we well, Eric, Eric, that's your cue. Because that's what Eric's been basically trying to tell people to mobilize people around 11 demands. Mm. Like, unless you meet these demands, we are not going to support you. Like I, I've been saying this for a while. Like, why are we voting for these people and they don't even want to give people health care? Right. Yeah. Number one is don't be corrupt. You know. Hey, yeah. Uh, there is. Um, I can tell you about this resolution uh, that they voted on today. So the Republicans <coughs> um, put out a resolution denouncing the dr- drastic rise in anti-Semitism, quote unquote, and. Um, and the resolution stated that anti-Zionism is is anti-Semitism, and so the vote was uh, three hundred and eleven for, fourteen against, and ninety-two abstaining, with thirteen Democrats and one re- Republican voting no. And then this article says um, ninety-two Democrats voted present after three prominent Jewish Democrats urged members of the conference to do so. Wait, and then, what? of course, the, so a bunch of the Democrats voted present because one of the Jewish Democrats said it was okay to. Jerry Nadler, I see it now. Jerry yeah. Nadler spoke out. So basically, they just frame, you know, so they're framing it, you know, as red, blue, as, you know, all those Republicans are, are, are doing this just to make those, make us look bad. Yeah. So game plan. Yeah, but APAC will come after those. So it was 92 Democrats that abstained. Yeah. APAC gonna come after them too. Mm-hmm. Now, so, I, so, so that's what went down today in Congress. Okay. But, you know, the, the other thing too, uh, Savvy and team, is just that, you know, like I was reading an article here on The Guardian, which I don't normally read, but I was trying to get some info just before I, you know, I came on just to talk about Cornell and whatnot, because I guess Cornell did an interview here. But on the side, you know, I see this little thing where it says third party candidates will help Trump win. Robert Robert Reich, this guy that I think used to work for the Clinton administration, this little That's guy. Fine. And so my my point in sharing this with you guys and, and, and the folks here listening is that all these 
uh, news channels, uh, not not necessarily the independent ones, but more the the establishment ones, the, the like like the Guardian, who maybe in the past have done something better, but they are also trying to push that narrative that if you don't vote uh, that you know for Biden or these third party candidates like Cornell, then you're essentially giving another vote for Trump, which is not true at all. Mm-hmm. However. I don't think people are buying more of this like they used to. Even maybe some people that would have in the past because there's so many things that are breaking through. You know, with with Israel ha- happening right now, there's just more people saying, wait a minute, like, where's our, our money going? We sent all the money. To, if you think about this and think about this right now, our minds have completely shifted to looking at Palestine, and rightfully so. But just a few, you know, a month ago, it was all Ukraine. And our money was is, was being sent over there, like over $150 billion. And now how many more billions are going to be sent here? So people are saying they're just fed up, you know, just even if they don't know much about politics, people are just saying like, hey, wait a minute. What's happening to all our money and our resources? And a lot of people also that may not dive into politics are saying, hey, I don't want my money to go kill these kids. Because even like today, I saw a video on Instagram, a new video of this little girl and another little boy that were, I think the little girl was basically dead on a table. And they were like uh, trying to resuscitate her, bring her back. But she, you could see you could see it on the video that she's already passed away. And mm-hmm. people are watching these videos like nonstop. They're all over the place. Uh, and I think that's also why the narrative is just breaking apart. Uh, for the two parties, I do think still the Trump in like if if the if the if they, if we were holding the votes today, I think Trump would win because there's just so many people that are just fed up with Biden, and some people would not even show up. You know, so so a lot of people that maybe would have voted for Biden, they're just not even gonna show up, and so I think there's gonna be more people willing to you know make the trip to go vote for Trump right now unless in the year several months to come one of these third party guys including cornell if they get get their you know voices really out there and with a strong message uh you know there could be a big change coming but but i do see trump right now leaning just because of what i'm sharing with you right now i i don't want to take more of the time but but you know those were my thoughts today oh i see case study Nice to see you there. <laughs> yeah, I was I was gonna say um that um let's all remember, let's not forget this guys. Let's all remember that even before RK Jr. left the Democratic Party and decided to run as an independent, even before Cornell jumped into the race and Jill Stein jumped into the race, Trump was already beating Biden. We always gotta remember that. That's right. That's right, but I, I want to give the other people a chance to, you know. I, oh, also, I, I want to say, uh, you know, congratulations on the sixty thousand subscribers. Um, you're doing awesome. I also think, you know, CJ and Nick, you know, their subscribers on their show on the overall RBN are also going up, and they've been doing good shows too. So you guys are kicking butt, man. So keep it up. Thanks so much, man. Thank you. Thank you. A, a kid. I just want to I just want to address something real quick before you go. Yeah, yeah. It's 
you was talking about the technology. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, it's not about the technology. It's about who controls it. Okay, so everything that you spoke of came from the perspective of, um, what do you call it, of corporate, owning it, corporate doing this, corporate, which is why I stress we have to replace corporations with cooperatives to democratize the economy. Yes. You see what I'm saying? So that's always the, the goal. Instead of worrying of trying to figure out how we're going to properly regulate and whether it's regulate through regulation or through antitrust, how to make these corporations behave, we got to get on the tip of just replacing corporations with cooperatives. You know, I, I think your, your ideas are awesome. I think your ideas need to be taught more at a young age, school age, so that people could see and, and change the way that we think about things. Because if, if we were to be taught, you know, I mean, I've learned about cooperatives and, and, you know, what you're describing, not so much in school, but much after. But if, if we were to be taught what you're saying at a young age, we would think about life in the way that we can, you know, sort of be successful in life, you know, very early on. No, I, that's true, but I have to disagree to make it sound as if, because in a way you're putting it as if, oh man, these people are too old, they, they won't change. I came to where I am, where I am as a, as a, an adult, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? It, no, no, and, and, and if, if, so it's, it's not like, so did I. So, so did I. I, I what yeah. I'm saying to you is, so did I. But, but the majority of the folks out there are not not you and I. <laughs> but hold up, hold up, though. You got to take a look at fifty. Is the fifty is the is the the turning point? You feel right. what I'm saying? Yeah. You don't have to be like a kid. I mean, not you a kid, but a child a kid. Right. You, right. You, you know, what I mean? you don't have to be, you know, a child. You right. just be under 50 because they're the ones, you know, grown adults in their 40s and 30s and so on and so forth. You feel what I'm saying? Like, you just have to be presented with the options. You feel what I'm saying? That, that's, that's what it's going to take. But, and, and, and if you think about it, if you think about it, Roger, that's what TikTok and these platforms are doing because in a matter of minutes, uh, I've seen little TikTok videos of people breaking down concepts that may have taken me a long time to understand, and they put them together in a matter of, you know, like maybe a minute or two, albeit, right. you know, maybe you don't get every single part of what you, you know, maybe I read or, or, or looked at a long hour video documentary, but they're breaking it down to the most meaningful points, and I think that's also why a lot of young people are not buying the BS because they're watching so many of these things that are sort of breaking down ideas with the main concepts and you can consume them. And in some ways, TikTok and these platforms are re-educating people and also educating younger people, you know, for good and for bad, you know, it's all, it's not all good, but still, right. So you know what that's called? That's called democratization of information. Now apply democratization of our economy using worker co-ops and then apply democratization of our governance through citizen ballot initiatives. So we right. already see that democratization in information works. It does. So that shows you right there that democratization in in business 
can work also the co-ops and democratization of governance and the way we govern can work also, which goes back to what we was talking about, who's going to control the chips in your head and all this technology and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be democratized or is it going to be cooperatized? So, That's you know. right. No, those are great points. Great points, Roger. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. All right. Thanks for that. Eric, I'm not sure if Sabby's having trouble getting back Oops. up there. I was talking, but I was muted again. I'm sorry. Oh, you're getting good at that. I know. All right. Case Study QB is in the house. Let's uh, go to Case, and then we'll bring in Darlene. What's going on, Case Study QB? Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? This is Case Study QB. That was for Roger. <laughs> That's for Roger. But, uh, I got a lot to chat with you about, but I want you <laughs> Can you go to um, Noel first? Because uh, I'm, I'm on a call and then I'm going to come right after no, um, Noel or the other person speaks. I'm going to come back. And sure. I think it's uh, Notor- Notori. Oh, Notori. Or- yeah, whoever you said. I, I can hear. Sorry. Okay. What's up, Notori? Hello. Hey, how are you? Hello. Good. I want to say congratulations on getting up there. Thank you, Natori. I wanted to talk about Hillary, dumbass. Ooh, I forgot to put Hillary in the title because I, I guess, oh, because that was part of the, the Pramila story. Yeah. What, what do you have to say about Hillary, Natori? The video, the video she did. I feel like APEC is getting desperate. Like, why would they? It's why would they let her do that? It's just so crazy after what Bill and all did. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Uh-huh. Out of all the people that they could find. <laughs> I didn't know where I live. I'm just like, girl, really? I'm just like, it's, it's one of the most scandalous ones to bring. Because obviously, like, you know, she doesn't have these accusations, but Bill does. And I mean, this goes far back, like before he was president, right? So, I mean, it's just, not only that, there's been freaking made for TV movies made about it. There was um, American Crime Story. I don't know if you guys have ever seen any of the American Crime Stories. Like the big one, I think, was the OJ one. But they also made one recently about Bill and Monica. And it was in that one where they bring up the issue that happened with Juanita Broderick, right? Yeah, she accused Bill Clinton of sexual assault. That was back when he was still governor of Arkansas. And the thing is, and Hillary knew about it, and they decided to go forward with the presidential election anyway. That was the thing that killed me. It's like, you knew, and both of you guys still said, let's go ahead and run for president. Mm-hmm. So, I saw it I saw a thing on front. I don't know. I don't know if it's true or not, but I saw a thing on Frontline about how Hillary Clinton and um, Bill, how they really didn't like each other, but they was put together. So, because she knew he was going to the White House. That's right. It's one of those. Um, have you guys ever heard of like a marriage of convenience? was one of those kind of things. It was more like a business relationship than like a, although they said they were in love or whatever back in the day, but 
I'm sorry, honey. I saw pictures of Bill Clinton when he was younger, like when they first started dating. I don't, I don't know what Hillary saw in Bill in reference to attraction wise. I did not think Bill Clinton was attractive. I don't know what Monica Lewinsky saw in Bill Clinton either. I was just like, really? But you know, I do think, um, because, well, first of all, Hillary ain't no dreamed, you know, homecoming <laughs> queen. But I do think it is a situation where people recognize each other's intellectual capacity. And they see mm-hmm. where each other can go places and where they could go further together. You know, truly, like you say, a marriage of convenience. But I think, I, I sense that they're, repositioning Hillary and trying to bring her to the fore again. Have you all heard that Biden has made this comment where he is saying that if he didn't think Trump was running, he don't he doesn't know if he would be running. But he just they just can't afford to let Trump win. But well, I- remember, well, remember like when Joe Biden was running, remember he said like his whole thing was he was only supposed to be a one term. That was his thing. Well, he said this recently because it was it um it made the news today that he is suggesting that if he did he wasn't certain that if Trump wasn't on the other side that he would be running. And I think what that does is get people to to start thinking about him not running. And I really think they're trying to position Hillary so that if Trump um doesn't make it on the other side and Biden says, Well, I'm not running and um, what's the girl, Nimrata surfaces on the Republican side, then they'll just ease Hillary in on the Democrat side. I just think, you know, this whole thing is willy-nilly. But I, when I consider um, the ramifications of everything, I think we're in for a rough ride from here, from here going forward because we see every day that the a state that the administrative state is losing its control over the narrative and therefore its control over the people. And I just don't see where this thing goes if they, you know, don't figure out some way to resurface one of those parties in a way that speaks to the needs of the people. And clearly neither party is prepared to do that. And they're not prepared to allow for a third party or an independent candidate to make their way into the system. I think we've come to the limits of a two-party system, and it's but the two parties won't conceive of a third or or fourth or fifth. I think we we definitely need a more parliamentary approach to, you know, governance here. But it's just they're not willing to let that. Come. I think that's where it's up to us to force the issue. And say, you know, we demand something. Yes, I don't think. Yes, I don't think Hillary ever left the um, Democrat Party. Of course, she didn't. I think she. They told her to um, get out of the spotlight for a while. But I think she still, just because she was out of the spotlight, she was. She's still there. You know what? They go ahead and slide in uh, Hillary Clinton if they want to. A lot of people would be angry. Because mm-hmm. that would be a freaking nightmare. Well, are you going to say like no to Hillary? Or Pete. They're still trying to make. 
<laughs> they still trying to make I, I peace think, thing and Gavin, especially Gavin. I think I think it would be a bad. Um, I think it would make things bad for women politicians, and I say that because everybody will point to her and say, if someone was like, "Oh yeah, we had a female president." She'll always be known as the one who was just put in. But see, I think she makes a type of sense to the Democratic elite because, you know, for anybody other than um, Biden, the first thought has to be given to Kamala. And they're they're already concerned about the black vote because you have Cornell out there running as an independent and the black electorate is just been kind of squeamish lately with Biden because it's so clear that there have been no deliverables. So they're really concerned about the black vote and they're not quite in the position to rely on the Latino vote to replace the black vote. So they're kind of edgy. But Hillary would be reasonable if Biden is to say, well, you know, I don't want to run. If Hillary came forward and said she wanted to, because, you know, in their mind, she was cheated the last go round anyway when she ran. And I think because um, she had been positioned to run for president and they figure she was cheated, I think Kamala would stand down in a way that would still leave her intact. I don't think, um, uh, you know, Gavin Newsom or anybody else beneath that level could step in if Biden chooses not to run and not cause a big brouhaha. So I think they're trying to bring Hillary closer to the fore uh-huh. so that if something happens and Donald Trump can't secure that nomination and there's Nikki Haley on the Republican side, they would want a female on the Democrat side. So it would be female to female. And I think they figure Hillary would be the strongest um, female and they would depend upon Democrats seeing this as a error correction from when Trump was first elected to say, oh, and now we're going to get it right this time and blah, blah, blah. I just see it as them overthinking things, but not because they don't want to continue with the reality that you must meet the needs of the people. You at least have to speak to the needs of the people. But I think in their insular bubble, they're just reasoning this thing out based on the power moves and who's who. But no one, you know, and they're depending on, upon the fact that they could just make the sheep go the way they want them. I hope they do that because they would people know like even other people that still hanging on with them the democrats i think it would just make people just fall off even more so i hope that they stupid enough just to do that that's fine the elites the people in hollywood all them are doing just fine but it's the regular everyday people and then i see this bill guy the um finance um robert kennedy and he up there bitching and moaning about what school's going through, like the um elite school's going through. And I'm like, why is you telling on yourself? You trying to act like people care about this shit? No, you talking about billionaires. Yeah, Bill Ackman is a billionaire. He, by the way, if people don't know about him, him in the past, when it came to social issues, he was against the Black Lives Matter movement. He was against that. He was criticizing black people 
and he actually defended Kyle Rittenhouse. That's who Bill Ackman is. That's who RFK Jr. has aligned himself with, people like that. So so keep that in mind. Is I, I think as a practical matter, they're kind of stuck with Biden right now. Um, the The primaries are right around the corner. So I don't think there's there's time to put some to slide someone else in unless Biden unless Biden actually drops through health reasons. But what they could do is is you know have him win the primary and then go into the convention and then have shenanigans there and then anything could happen there. So buckle up for that one. That's what Kim Iverson predicted a while back. Kim said they're gonna let him go through the whole thing and then get to the convention and then they're gonna say Biden's going to say he's going to step down and they're going to insert someone else. Which is bullshit because people didn't vote for that person. Democracy. So talk, so talk about democracy. Should we see what Darlene's got to say? Do you have more, Eric? Yeah, Eric. Um, oh, you're asking me? I think you're muted. Oh. Yeah, sorry. To yeah. Eric, sorry. <laughs> oh, were you asking me, Eric? Yeah, well, I'm the other Eric, so you must be the one I'm asking. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, we no, I, no, I, I honestly, I, I don't even think because it, it's too much of a mess. It, even if you were, let's say, you know, what you just the, uh, the outline that you just described with Biden, you know, uh, going to uh, at the end and, and then pulling out and saying, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna designate someone else. I just don't think America's ready for that kind of mess. Uh, and I, I honestly think that unless something, you know, preventing Trump from actually being there, I think he's going to win because it's just too many people that are going to abstain from voting for Biden because of what's going on in Israel, because of what's happened with the Ukraine and all the money that he's wasted. And the fact that he didn't say anything right now to stand up for the people of Palestine, it's just so many things that are amounting. Then you add up the fact and just consider this too, Savvy. There's many other channels like Joe Rogan, you know, who sometimes it seems like he leans to the right, sometimes he's on the left, whatever. Although he said he's never voted for a Republican. Still, he's got millions of people listening to him, right? Millions. There's a, there's a lot of what I call everyday people that are not necessarily into politics that are listening to all these topics from a Joe Rogan, from other shows, and many of those people are saying uh, Biden is out of his mind. It, it's not just us saying it. You know, it's just a there's a collective of people saying this. Yes. So I just I don't think that Biden can win because of that. The surmounting evidence of you know his decline, his mental decline, uh, all these errors that he's made. It's it's hard for me to believe that enough people are going to come out for him. I don't think that's going to happen. It, on yeah, the last election, yeah. I was going to say, what hurt Bernie Sanders? It wasn't money because Bernie Sanders had the most money. Believe it or not, from those small dollar donations, he had the most money. It was the media narrative. That's what hurt Bernie Sanders. That's right. But now, because of this disruption, you know, with Palestine, with the Ukraine, the narrative has changed. They're not going to be able to really say, oh, this guy is much better for the country because there's too many people now. Again, I just used Joe Rogan as a tipping point. Too many people are saying, no, we're not going to vote for this guy. And conversely, 
we know what Trump is. We were able to survive him. A lot of people do passionately hate him. I know guys, I know some, some people that are, you know, close to me. Some of them that are not so close to me that, that, are not, that would never vote for, Biden, uh, for, uh, for Trump, okay? Still, there's too many people saying, you know what? Uh, Trump wasn't so bad. Uh, and you know what? I, I don't like a lot of what he has to say, but at least he's saying what he believes to some degree, right? I mean, we know he lies for sure, but we also know now that, that Biden's been lying all along. And so now people are saying, you know what? I don't like Trump, but at least he's saying what he, what he wants to say. Some people are going to use that rationale and they're going to say, you know what? I'm going to vote for Trump. And I, and I bet you there's going to be people that voted for, for Biden that are going to turn over and they're going to vote for Trump because of that, um, because now they're saying they're fed up with them. I know. I, so um, a former classmate of mine, she voted for Donald Trump in 2016, not because she liked Trump, but just because she hated Hillary that much. Right. But right. in 2020, she switched and she voted for and she's a Republican. But get this. She voted for Joe Biden and then she voted Republican for the rest of the ballot. So the thing is, is that one of the things I noticed about the 2020 presidency is that some people didn't vote down ballot. So she was one of those people. She voted Democrat for the president and voted Republican for all the other positions that were on her ballot. So to your point, the same thing could happen this time around where people may switch and vote for Trump for the presidency, but may vote Democrat for all the other political positions, uh, political candidates that are on their ballot. So that's something to think about. The other thing, too, I've noticed, I don't know if everybody heard this. I was going to cover this story, but I forgot. And I was like, shoot. Uh, one of the leaders from Black Lives Matter actually went on record and said he's supporting Donald Trump. Because yeah, he right. said, like, what Trump did for black businesses. And yeah. Donald Trump support among the African-American community has increased since Joe Biden has been in office. That's a scary thing. I've been trying to tell people, warn people about this, that like at the end of the day, people gonna look at that. What happened under Joe Biden? And I don't think people should vote for either one. I don't support either one. But for the people who don't believe that third party or independent is gonna make it, they're looking at it like this. Okay, Trump helped some of the black businesses. Trump apparently helped some of the uh, HBCUs as well. So that's another thing. But the other thing is Trump did not start any new wars. Yes, he still like participated in warfare. Yes, he still like gave Ukraine money, not to the extent of what we've done under the Biden administration. And yes, he still um, approved drone strikes as well. Right. So keep that in mind. But what people are saying is that Trump didn't start any new wars. And under Joe Biden, we have two international conflicts. That's right. And, and, you know, it's funny because I think it was I think it might have been yesterday morning when, when I was driving to work and, and I saw this little I saw this truck with these older people. They're pretty old, I think, because they had like white hair and, and they, had, <laughs> they, had, they had the Trump. They had the, the Trump uh, big sticker from the you know, from the previous election, but they had it. And it just made me think, well, wow, you know, these older people. You know, I don't know. They might have been in their close to their 70s, but they were proudly, very proudly had the Trump sticker on their car. And I was like, you know what? And this is what this is where I think a lot of what I call, again, everyday Americans are going to come down to, Savvy. How bad can it be? 
if we go back to Trump, when Biden's taking us to them near World War III and everything else has gotten worse. So I, a lot of people are going to come to, and they're going to say that. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, Trump could take us down even worse. But I, I don't I don't think so, because look how worse, how bad it's gotten with Biden. And, and, and he's gotten into more wars, more conflict. He kept, and if you think about it, if you tally up what he kept, he kept all the tax cuts for the rich. He kept all the things that were good for the status quo that Trump put in place. He kept them. Yep. Biden, Biden's kept all that. So what are we getting? We're getting more of the same that Trump was already doing that we don't like. And we're not getting anything that we want. So that's where a lot of people are going to come down and they're going to say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to vote for, for Biden because he's mental decline. He's crazy. He's gotten, got us into more wars. Let's go back to Trump. You know, and that's what's going to happen. Unless, I mean, the only other way that something else could happen is somebody would have to break through. And, and I don't know how they would do that because you need so much money to do it. So that's what you said about he didn't repeal um, the tax cuts. That's a typical that's a typical Democrat strategy. It's not just him. It's all, all these Democrats. I mean, what did I mean, when Democrats get in power, they never repeal those terrible laws that Republicans passed. You know what I mean? I mean, I think actually I think Obama um, I think Obama overturned some of the things that Bush did, I think. But, 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 but here's the difference, Roger. Here's the difference. You were talking about, you know, like now that you're 50 or I don't know if you said you meant to say you're 50, but but you were saying now that you've learned all what you've learned. Right. I didn't know what you just said in, in early, like a decade ago. I, I never used to look into politics as deeply to say, oh, yeah, the Democratic guy, he's actually not doing anything different. I'd never thought about that before till now. So, oh, yeah. We, we weren't I, paying I'm attention saying, to policy. Say it again? We weren't paying attention to policy. I, I was not. I was yep. not. I wasn't, I wasn't really either, to be honest with you, except for, I think, uh, the first Obama term, I paid attention to it a little bit, but then after that, you know, I was like, "This guy's just a joke." I did with a Democrat bias, though, so yeah. it wasn't it wasn't necessarily on the money. But I wanted to ask: everyone was talking about how terrible Hillary is for um, supporting um, the, these uh, 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 rapists and sexual assaulters, or whatever the case is. I was waiting for someone to bring up Epstein and Weinstein. Yep. How come that no one caught that? <laughs> Wasn't she friends with them? Well, I, mean, um, I, brought but, you know, I brought up Epstein. I forgot about Weinstein. But that, that's what said. You know, that's why Savvy said, um, and Savvy said it a couple of times tonight. Jaya Paul was not prepared. She didn't come with all the receipts that she could have had. She could have annihilated that 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 the, the, the reporter on CNN if she would have just had a few talking points to hit her back with. She would have. Demolish that reporter. Yep. But if Paul was, but if Jaya Paul was the kind of lefty that could do that, she wouldn't have that office. That's that's a good point. But she did. But the thing is, she did that on Meet the Press. That's the thing. She did do that. She was prepared when she went on to Meet the Press. She was not prepared when she did this interview. That's why I was saying, if the person in front of you is talking about the women, the women being sexually assaulted, etc. So 
how do you come back with that, right? How do you push back against that? First of all, there was no investigation. You need to mention that. Two, you need to mention how Palestinian women complained the same, the same thing happened to them with the IDF soldiers. You could have mentioned that. What JB said tonight about women, Israeli women that were part of the IDF that also made the same complaints about IDF soldiers, about sexual harassment. She could have said that. She was not prepared. And that's, the thing. and that's why I said before, you don't have to do these interviews. When she went on to meet the, meet the press, I felt like she was more prepared. Um, even, uh, what's, what's the guy's name? Even Jake Tapper, we're going to show this on Thursday when we talk about the CNN producer who lost nine family members in Gaza. We're going to show this Thursday where you're going to see the clip from Jake Tapper where even he pushed back on Netanyahu's advisor and told him like, no, 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 that's not correct. So, so that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. So again, ask yourself, and I'm going to ask you this on Thursday. Why is it okay for Jake Tapper to push back and say what he said to um, Netanyahu's advisor, but Mehdi Hassan doesn't, and after that, his show was canceled? Because of, you know, because of, you know, I don't want to say the skin color, <laughs> but it's part of that too. Uh, but then, but Eric, let, me this, let me ask you this, Eric, because you made the point to say that, you know, Jayapal is where she's at because of, you know, because she doesn't ask those questions. But, you know, for the past four years, initially, the likes of AOC was supposed to be there to ask those type of questions. They never did. The squad never has done that. Right. Yeah, it's a game. It's right, theater. Right. But, but had they been smart, because think about this, had they been fighting for us? You know, and many in RBN, Savvy said this, we would have their back. We don't have yep. their back because they never did anything for us. That's it. And they are so and they are so That's stupid. Right. And let me tell you, they are so stupid in my eyes, as you know, as I age, because if, if they would have stood up, just stood up a little bit and they would have aligned themselves and had those those pushback points all these years, we would be behind them and there would be millions of us standing behind them. And if they would have put a, a few policies through, just a few, people would be supporting them immensely. But they were so weak and so cowardly. None of them yes. were willing to stand up. And there was enough of them with the six of them or five of them. They could have stood up, yeah. but they chose not to. Well, that's the big word is chose, right? This is the thing I keep trying to push. They're not weak. They're not cowardly. They're not stupid. They're corrupt. They're careerists. They're doing it for the money. They're part of that whole system. They always were to some fashion. The, the ones that weren't didn't get pushed by Justice Democrats and didn't move ahead. And it's all part of the system and all part of the game. And that's what needs to be called out relentlessly and clearly. It's corrupt. They're corrupt. And just the other thing I just wanted to answer, Eric, when, when you mentioned earlier, you can't imagine how a Cornell campaign can do it because they would need all this money and all these resources. Well, the, the key to that is going to be the way that, that Bernie grew back in the day. It's going to have to be a message that's against the billionaires, against the corruption. And if the West campaign can do it, if they can get on that and leverage that properly, then they would have the millions of people that you're talking about that would have gotten behind the squad and all this. There's a huge upswell out there that's just waiting to happen. I mean, people are literally dying for this. And and I just hope that the campaign, whether it's West or another third party, I think West is the best shot, can 
can realize that and, and just leverage that directly. There's real potential there and I hope they can do it. I think my but, biggest, my yeah. biggest fear with Cornell West is because the way that he, he said he moves, you know, I think my biggest fear is that even though he said he's going to stay in it to the end, I have a feeling that, you know, that may not happen. Like what, again, what if he changes his mind and says, I'm not going to do this anymore that kind of thing, you know? Um, but we, we won't know. We really don't know until like, you know, come next year. Um, there's still a possibility that more people could jump in this race. Oh, by the way, I saw, uh, Roger, can you mute for a second? Um, I saw on my, um, Google card, I saw a notification that said that Jink Uger has been denied ballot access in Arkansas because he didn't meet the qualifications. So the same thing with Jink. Jink know that this is a joke. Like he's not really going anywhere. Um, but I just think that, and it's funny because TYT is having a debate between Marianne Williamson, Dean Phillips, and Jink Uger. And I'm just like, you guys, you guys know these people aren't going anywhere. You know the DNC is not going to let them be the nominee. They're already kicked off the ballot in Florida. And just to answer your question about Cornell, whether he would stick with it, I think it, it's going to be up to us and how, how it plays out. If this thing gets huge and we start seeing thousands, hundreds of thousands of people at rallies and in the street, you know, then then he's it's all going to be so energetic and it's going to be rolling. If that's not happening, then it, it doesn't really matter whether he gives up or not because it's not going anywhere. So it's, I think it'll be up to that. But, but I think but I think the reason why people may not millions of people may not get out in the streets is because he keeps changing his mind. Yeah. So that, I think that, it, it, if right. he wants that to happen, like you got to let people know that you're serious about this and that you're not like trying to, you're not just just being a jazz man, which which is what he keeps saying, and that's why why some people have their doubts. They just feel like, oh, okay, well he just kind of blown, going with the wind. So I think the thing is, is like, he's going to have to like convince people he's with. Now, I think this event coming up that he has with Norm Finkelstein, I think the fact that Norm Finkelstein is is behind him, I think that's that's actually a big deal, especially considering the fact that Norm Finkelstein don't just get behind anybody. He's no. going to get him as his running mate. <laughs> but, but, you know, you know, Savvy, that, this is where I think, you know, where someone like Ashama Sawan, who's very pragmatic, He's a, she's a realist, but she's also very strategic and shrewd in what, how she decides how to do things, which Cornell doesn't have that in my mind, at least, you know, from, again, I, 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 just from what I could see so far, just being pragmatic, understanding that there has to be a strategy, there has to be an end goal of winning to success, that he needs somebody to, 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 to guide him and coach him to say, Here's what we need to do. We need to be shrewd on these points. Here are the things that you have to come out with everything you got, Cornell. And you got you, you have to have a stomp and stomping speech, which is what Eric was talking about with Bernie, that he would reiterate. Bernie would say the same thing over and over and over. And then by by do, doing it so many times at so many rallies, you kind of knew what he was going to say, but it got the whole crowd behind him. Cornell needs to do the same. And he, he has the talent to do that. Cornell has the ability to do that. You've seen him talk at different, you know, rallies where he comes up and, and when, when he's done talking, you're like, damn, you know, where did this guy come from? He has that ability, 
but he has to be willing to say, okay, I'm going to do these things. I'm going to have to be shrewd. I'm going to have to be strategic. I'm not just going to be all jazzy men and, you know, be free flowing everywhere because there has to be a, you know, like a strategic plan to success. There has to be that. And you have to stick to it uh, in order to succeed. Savvy. So you can get many, many people. It's a way of marketing and he needs that, you know, so. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, these are all really good points, you know. Uh, Case, are you ready? If yes, so, ma'am. I'm in here. Let's go, son. Got a lot. First, I want to wish you a congrats on the 60K. Just keep it, keep doing it, doing it big. Much love to you. And Thank then, you. yeah, no problem. And then before you, you guys were talking about the chip, and I was thinking on, um, I think Noel was talking that, yeah, about the vaccine. They try to mandate the vaccine. So what they try to mandate the chip, you know, once once this chip becomes so normalized and you have a good percentage of the population happening, like, oh, this is fine, it's working out fine. Then the government comes in and say, hey, you know, if you want to buy food or if you want to do anything, that's almost like the market of beasts. They will say, hey, you need to get this chip. And then like like other people have already speculated, you know, they can make you do things with the chip, commit assassinations, and then you don't even know that you commit assassination or all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, that chip can definitely go down some really dark places that definitely I, I agree with you that it's like a um, Black Mirror episode. Go ahead, Roger. Um, I think if they want to talk about when they said use the chip to help neuro, neuro, neurological diseases and stuff like that, I think they should go back to Christopher Reeve's idea of stem cell research. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? But, you know, Bush was, oh, it's ungodly. Yeah. Doing Frankenstein. It goes against my religion. I think that might be a better alternative to pursue than these chips. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because they said... I, I, you know, I, I watched something on Discovery years ago about because I, I didn't understand what stem cell was, and I saw something on Discovery that said that these stem cells that that is what we all came from when we were um, when we were you know after the whole conception period and so on and so forth. They said that that can be used to grow any type of organ, but that's that's like how how we like all started out at and so on and so forth. But you know, I'm just saying that that's something that uh, I think we should repursue. And Sabrina, I just want to say this real quick. Those low ratings that CNN and all these guys are getting, I would really like to know what percentage of those views come from people just having a TV on in places. Because I just came oh. from... I, I was just at waiting for a taxi. Like, I just left. I said, yeah, I'll just come back tomorrow. But I'm sitting there, and they got CNN on on three different televisions in the ra- waiting room. And, you know, ain't nobody really watching CNN. They're just waiting for cars and shit. You know what I mean? So I would like to know, out of all those low ratings and low views that Fox and CNN and all these people, MSDSC and all these guys are getting, what percentage of that are people, places, airports, things, waiting rooms? But they just have the TV on. Oh, that's no a really one... good point. What about the doctor's office, too? Oh, doctors, dentists, all of that. You Airport. know, because they do it for it. They do it for, to, what's that word? 
um, the, the commercial people, the, 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 to sell products, right? But ain't nobody selling no products if no one's really watching it. It's just on in the waiting room. <laughs> oh, yeah, think about. You, might be, you might be on to something here, Roger. Well, all they have to do is make the advertisers think people are watching, right? That's the game. <laughs> yeah. But before, I was rudely interrupted by Roger and taking me off track. Let me get back to what I was saying. I'm just messing with you, Roger. <laughs> but um, I know before someone was talking, I think it was Noel again was talking about how uh, they can produce energy from um, the, this alien you know, um, reverse engineering. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but I know that um, one of the p- persons that died, the security guard that died in that um, shooting up in Rochester, I believe it was either Rochester or Buffalo, I believe, maybe Buffalo. Um, he was working on a car that can run on water. And he got as far as he was able to turn it on. He was re- able to rev it up with gas but then it could run from then on with the water i believe that's what he got up to and it was on youtube and everything and i just thought it was a coincidence that this guy died and then now there's a black inventor who came up with a machine that can produce water out of air it's called you talking Hmm? about moses it might be moses yeah yeah i think it is moses yeah so i know that my father told me about this guy and i imagine if the people of gaza could use this um machine to get water like and I know how much, in my conspiracy theory mind, um, ever since the elites and the, you know, the, what you would call the Illuminati, they see the writing is on the wall with gas, with oil, with fossil fuel. They see the writing is on the wall. They're not going to be able to control the world um, through wars, et cetera, because of oil. So I, I think that's where a lot of these oil spills, and you hear about a lot of um, water being contaminated and water being tainted and lead in water and all these different things is because they know water is the next oil. Water is so everybody needs water. Every human being needs water. But if this machine becomes popular, that could be the source that any poor person or anyone anywhere can get water at a very cheap price if this machine becomes successful. So I'm, I'm hoping that Moses has somebody watching his back because that's a very interesting um, invention outside of this you know, chip invention. And then the, the last thing I want to say is that Pramila, she went on T, she used to go on TYT and I believe Jenk said something critical of her and she told, and she just stopped going. Because I, I remember Jenk talking um, about it and saying like, oh, about Pramila Jayapal used to go on TYT. Remember, she's a Justice Democrat. And and he said something critical of her and then she just, she wasn't, she didn't like that and she stopped going. So it's interesting she stopped going on TYT. It's going to be interesting to see if she continues to go on. Maybe not CNN as a whole, but definitely Dana Bash to see if she goes on with him again, with her again. But um, I talked enough. Go ahead, Sabrina. I was I was just going to say, um, I did not realize Pramila went on TYT. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I know Bernie went on there before. I, I know Liz, I saw Elizabeth Warren on there, AOC, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, but that's really interesting. Yeah, she yeah. she's already walking back her statement from CNN, by the way. I just saw it. Wow. Wow. Yeah, she she was on there and um, I saw Jank complaining. Like he he went off like saying, I'm not going to suck up to you just because da da da, and you're not coming back on the show or whatever. And he, he went off. He's been going off. I think he, he's got a little bit of R, R, RBN injected into his veins as of the last maybe six months or so. I clipped something recently about him like dogging uh, AOC a little bit about how he was like, 
how come you didn't know who Nancy Pelosi was? I talked to you about Nancy Pelosi before you got elected and after you got elected. I told you about Nancy Pelosi. And you, I don't know if you saw that quote, Sabrina, that is in uh, Ryan Rim's new book, basically that she was, um, or I don't know if it was in her book or if she said it somewhere else, but basically she said that ever since um, the new um, house, um, Hakeem Jeffries, ever since he became in leadership, like everybody's been nicer. Like she's been able to get floor time. She's been able to get, um, like talk to her colleagues more. And she realized that it was just Nancy Pelosi. And that's where Jake was going off. Like, I've been told you this. So anyway. Yeah, I, um, I mean, I don't know if everyone, rem- but um, I saw that clip that you had of that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm going to talk about that. On, I'm going to talk about it on Thursday because I already have a, my stories picked yeah. out for today, last night. But I was like, yeah, I'm going to talk about that. What was revealed in that book? I don't follow Ryan Grimm anymore because that mm-hmm. motherfucker tried to smear me on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I was like, get the fuck out of here, man. I'll let you know. You know, I, I consume all politics. So I'll let you know if there's anything else um, from that book or, or whatever. But the Come last thing. Savvy. Good job. was just doing his job. It was really funny, too, because, like, even Bree had to, like, come to my defense. Like, it was all these, you know, other people, like, came to my defense. And mm-hmm. I was just like, I was like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy, man? He tried to say I was, I was bashing unions. And I said, no, I, what I'm saying is, and he knew exactly what I was saying, is that at the end of the day, unions aren't helping people that need fucking health care and need to put food on the table right now. God damn it. So the end mm-hmm. result can't just be let's all unionize. Yeah. Nah, and if the wrong person is in leadership, you're going to get a bad union. That's the other thing. That's why I agree with everybody here who wants co-ops. But also, good find on that APAC video from um, Ali Belshi. I, I, I didn't see that, and I was like, wow, that's a good clip. That was a very, very good. I got to – was there more to it? Because I, I want to watch the whole thing. There may be more. I'm not sure. Um, someone sent that. See, a lot of these things people send to me, that's okay. the thing, like sometimes – People are like, Sabby, I emailed you. You didn't respond. Like, that's because like most of like my my inbox is like people sending me clips. Mm-hmm. So like somebody sent that to me and I was like, they said, you'll never believe what they covered on MSNBC. And I was like, what? And I saw that and I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> I couldn't believe that case that they were going through, like who got the most money that, from APAC and stuff. Like that's something that that I do. That was crazy to see that. And um, I think... That's one of the a few benefits. Sometimes you get a couple uh, shining lights in mainstream media. That was definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. Okay, David, you are on the mic. You just have to hit the unmute button, bottom left corner. We'll see if it works for you this time, David. Yay! What's up? Oh, no. David, we can't hear you. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but I can't hear you, David. This happened last time, too. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if you're trying to use your phone or your computer. You'll have to tell me in the chat what you're trying to use. I'm so sorry. False. I'm sorry, David. David, I'll I'll invite you to speak, and I'll go ahead and bring in... um, bad cookies hello what's up bad cookies what's going on Sabs? how you doing the cookies are bad the cookies are bad i'm doing great how are you i'm not doing too bad 
Uh, I wanted to talk about this um, this Elon Musk idea of microchipping people. Mm -hmm. uh, it's one of the dumbest ideas in all of humanity, and we should not do it. Uh, first of all, uh, what frequency is this fucking microchip going to uh, be at? Anything above anything above two gigahertz that's in your brain is automatically going to give you brain cancer. That's bottom line right away. That's basic science. Those are microwaves going into your brain. Okay. Next is a, next is a, who's going to have access to your brain? Like you brought it up on the show and you barely touched on it, but you really got to consider who's going to have access to your brain. Now, Elon Musk, a lot of people don't even read their terms and services when they sign up for Twitter or anything for that matter. So if you go and read your terms of services, you're giving up a lot of your rights to a lot of the shit that you post. Now, imagine if when they start doing that to your brain, imagine when you sign that dotted line for the terms of services of putting your damn brain online. What do you think about that, Sabs? I mean, I hate to say it, but you're right. A lot of people don't read the terms or what happened to bad cookies? Oh my God. Chip took them out. Oh, there is. I know. It was like he, as soon as he talked about the chip, like all of a sudden. Okay, there he is. Um, I was just going to say it's it's crazy, but it's true. A lot of people don't read the term of service uh, agreement. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I just think that you're right. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people would not read it. Um, I mean, it, it's. It's basic tech knowledge. Anyone that works in the tech industry knows that they can sneak in a lot of things in terms and services. Like, uh, what's his name? The fucking robot from Facebook, uh, Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg snuck in a lot of things in terms and services, like where most people don't even know anything that you post on, on Facebook is automatically his property and his rights, and he can do anything he wants with it. If he wanted to turn around and sue you for having pictures and you posted him somewhere else that wasn't Facebook, legally, he has the right to sue you. Not many people know that. He's not going to go out and sue everybody about it, but legally, he has that right. It's it. What Elon Musk is a dirty shyster. He's going to fucking, he'll find a way to have the rights to your brain. And what do you think they're going to do once they have the rights to your brain? They're going to start giving you subliminal messages and start brainwashing you into believing certain things or, or acting certain ways or buying certain products to a certain extent. You know, this is what they want to do. They want to commercialize your brain and have control of it. I believe you touched on that on your show, too. Yeah, like, do you believe that people will actually volunteer to do it? Like, that's that's my question. That's what I'm curious about. Yeah, that's like, some fucking we... crazy-ass fucking Elon stands that are like, oh, I'll do it for you, Elon. You're the smartest man in the world. <laughs> I mean, it'll be a process, too, where there'll be, you know, at first it's just, well, we're just doing it to to cure diseases and whatnot, you know, and there are legitimate things in all this, but it's always back to the same old thing, right? It's about who controls it, who's going to benefit from it, who owns it. And if we don't fix this system, yeah, it's bad things ahead. Well, that's another thing that Elon's coming out doing that shit where, where he's getting ahead of the game and he's coming out and saying, hey, we got to get out and regulate AI before before anything happens because it's the next technology. The dude's the dude's not dumb. He's not the fucking genius he's made out to be, but he's not dumb. He sees the writing on the wall and he's like, 
if we get in front of this, this AI shit and we set the rules and regulations to favor us and our, our ability to make a profit, we can get ahead of this before they make it a right and then they regulate it and then we can't get to it anymore. It's, it, he's not stupid. He's a smart businessman, but he's a fucking asshole though. Mm-hmm. You know, I admit- That's what fucking Elon is doing. And uh, oh man, I could never ever advise enough people to not microchip your brain. Don't do it. It's, it's ridiculous what they're selling. So it's a known microchip. Okay. I, I mean, it's the craziest thing I ever heard of. I'm like, why would anyone just volunteer? I'm like, okay, so it tested okay on a couple of like monkeys or whatever, but like, it's your brain. It's not like it's a foot. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, the monkeys are playing video games with their brains. <laughs> Come on. I can tell you why they might do it. Economic desperation. I mean, I think the other, and I, I don't disagree, Roger. I think the other thing to keep in mind is, is just technology, you know, technology rolls along. The, the idea of, of having this, these machines we call smartphones in, in our hands being constantly connected, constantly communicating. I mean, to the generation before us, I mean, that is totally foreign and, and they would call us crazy, you know, and so, you know, this inner, interfacing between technology and the human body is is only going to increase now it can actually be a really great and wonderful thing but not while the billionaires run everything and everything's done for profit you know then it's you know you can have utopia or you can have dystopia and it all depends on you know if we can fix this mess in our human history as human nature has gone Anything that we have ever had that would further progress humanity has always been used to destroy ourselves. You can look at nuclear weapons. Gunpowder was one of the fucking greatest inventions ever. Anything that has ever advanced mankind has also been used to destroy it. So I think this would be used to destroy it ourselves. Well, I think there's tons of technologies that have, you know, increased, you know, that are responsible for our standard of living. I mean, you know, there's the light bulb. I mean, there's, um, you know, there's communications technology, there's the internet itself. And it's, I, you know, I, I just, it's not about the technology. It's, you know, again, it's about who, who controls it, who benefits from it. Um, and know. I think we, the real issue is throughout our evolution, we have not evolved in the way we see each other as equals and everybody deserving to have a chance to live and this and that. Because when you mention, you know, the technologies that are responsible for our standard of living today, even in today, with all the resources available, there are millions and millions of people around the world who don't even have the basics of what we take for granted every day. And we don't see them as worthy of moving this to them. And so the way we organize ourselves with this capitalism and this and that, those are the fundamental problems. We have to get to a place where we say anything that destroys people or diminishes people or, or you know, negatively impacts their way of living we have to see those things as important enough to address them. As long as we tolerate elite 
and these people having the most and these people having nothing. Those are the problems that have chronically followed us throughout our quote unquote evolution. You can go back to the earliest dynasty and it's always the haves and haves nots. And until we can come to terms with that and say, yeah, this one may be black, this one may be white, this one may be from this part of the world, this one may be believed in this religion, but we see all humanity as valuable. Until we get to that place, all of the technology and all of the other things that come into our um, existence will have the same results. It's going to be those who have everything and those who have none. And, you know, and I guess in a way, you can say it's a plantation planet. And we just <laughs> need to evolve past that to, to get to that other place where, and then, you know, I think if we could get past that, then the push for what we call you know, technological advancement and things like that, maybe there'll be some chill on that because we'll begin to realize, you know, we don't need all that. We don't need to fly to the moon. We don't need to do all these things. We can just exist and be happy as we are. We're the only species that's always trying to move, move, move to something better and better is not necessarily better it, because it, exactly. it, and at every level, we incur these costs that have come to the place where we're destroying the natural world because of what we're calling these advancements, and they're really not. Well, that's another thing Elon is doing is he's selling everyone on the idea that we're going to get off this planet. Like, you don't have any idea how many people in society believe that, oh, we're going to go to Earth number two or, or we're going to go colonize Mars. He's He's convincing people that we have a chance of leaving this planet. We don't. And and in like that, no one asked the question, well, what did we do to destroy this planet? Because certainly if we have not behaviorally gone past that, we're going to do the same thing to the next planet. What's wrong with this planet? Why can't we coexist with the other species on this planet and it work? Why are we looking to take something else? You know, make what you got work. Fix what you got. Make it work. You don't need to go to no other planet because you have proven to be a poor steward of the planet that you have. So if you don't have the stewardship to take care of what you've been given, why should you be rewarded to move to another planet? You need to stay here and fix the mess you've made. And that's the actual, that's the position that is... I think uh, mentioned a couple of times in the show, The Expanse. I don't know if everyone's seen the show, but the show, The Expanse, they touch on that. The fact that Earth is pretty much, most of it is in, in inhab uninhabitable at this point in time. So just FYI, this is in the future. But um, if you want but for the parts, the parts that, that are there or whatever, at one point in The Expanse, they're like, Oh, well, so-and-so is an earther, those people who are from Earth. And they're like, oh, he, he wants to come over here and live with us, like in Mars or whatever. So Mars actually ends up being more the superior planet in the future and the expanse. And Earth is not because they didn't, we didn't, the people didn't take care of Earth. And so climate change and everything, actually, a lot of it is underwater. 
there's a wall around New York City in the expanse, right? So you have people that live on the belt. They're called belters. So they live on the asteroid belt. They have all the resources, but a lot of the people there are in poverty because Earth and Mars actually steals the resources from the belt. So what, what the expanse basically shows you is that if you don't learn from the behavior that you've already had that destroyed your own planet, if you were to move or relocate to those to another place, you're going to repeat the same behavior. Go ahead, Eric. Have you watched the last three seasons yet? Not yet, Eric. Don't give it you, away. You, no, I, I'm, I'm very much against spoilers. I, I would okay. never do such a thing. But uh, but yeah, you, you, it's really good. I highly recommend the, the Expanse in general in, in all of it, the last three seasons. And just with, with what Noel was talking about, I just wanted to, it, it made me think of um, what Caitlin Johnstone writes about a lot, the idea of a societal, a, a human-wide awakening, essentially a, um, a mental evolution of, of the human species in a sense, or a, cult, a cultural evolution of people just in general waking up to these things and just getting getting past the veil of of what this how the society runs now and just into the ideas that it it needs to be equal for all and and um and just that evolution and the way she frames it is either we're going to evolve that way and get there you know or we're gonna we're gonna kill ourselves and die off but i think i think we're i think it's happening i, I think it's a rough journey but i i think we are as a species evolving I say, if these people want to leave the planet, I say, put them on a rocket ship and send them into the sun. Two, did, you know, what they don't talk about in terms of, like, Mars and all these other different planets, um, you know, your how it affects your physiological makeup. Like, the, the more dense gravity is on a planet, the stronger, well, the shorter, but at the same time, the stronger your body has to be. So it evolves into like, like if it's like a strong gravity, your, your bone density is going to increase. Your muscle tissue is going to increase, right? So like if you, um, but on planets that are small, and Mars is smaller than Earth, I think Mars is the I think Mars is near the size of our moon. I'm not sure. That has less gravity. So our physiological makeup would be a lot more delicate. You know what I mean? It's not like Star Wars where, oh, yeah, I just jump from one planet to the other as if, you know, you're going from one town to the other. You know what I mean? Time changes, you know, the, the way... The way um, some planets spin faster than Earth and some spin slower, so you know what I mean? Like, a day on one planet could be like 36 hours for for, uh, for, for Earth. You know what I mean? So they they thinking that they have all these ideas and so on and so forth, but you know, like Noel said, I agree. Just, just clean up this planet. Oh, and that water you were talking about that we can't use anymore because it got uh, used for fracking? If somebody came up with just like our Moses West got the got the uh, thing for the water by taking the uh, humidity out of the air, converting it into H two O, someone was to come up with something that 
that would be able to clean that water that they stored underground that they can't use anymore because it was used for fracking. We could put water back into our ecosystem. So, you know, just, just uh, something to uh, think about. Right on, Rod. Um, hey, Sebs, I'm a, I, I love the conversation here, so I'm going to get off so I can let Marco get on. But uh, real quick, before I get off, like you have a real bad habit of not letting us know what's going down with you. Because last time I talked to you, you were like, oh, yeah, the next day, I'll, um, uh, tomorrow morning, I'll be on, uh, what was it, uh, uh, the hill. And we didn't know until you literally told us that time. So anything coming up real soon that we don't know about that you would like to talk <laughs> Oh, bad cookies called me out. Yes, I'm terrible with that because I know Roger told me this a while back. Roger was like, um, yeah. Can you let us know? Like when you're like Yeah, um, um, I can do better with that. Um so far, like I I don't know. There are some things that are pending, but I don't have confirmations just yet. I do know um Chris Hedges will I can tell you for my show next week at least, Chris Hedges will be back next week. So will um, Margaret Kimberly is going to be back. We're going to talk about the, uh, the Congo. I know you guys have been asking about that. So Margaret Kimberly's done a lot of research um, in reference to the Congo and the current genocide that's happening there. So I really wanted to bring her on for that discussion. So that's coming up. I may have a guest Friday evening. I'm waiting to hear back uh, confirmation about that. But yeah, I, I can do better about letting you guys know. Typically, like the best way for me to tell you, because a lot of times when I find out that I'm going to be on like rising, it's usually like the day before. And sometimes it's a day when I'm not live. So what I used to do in the past is I used to notify people in the community tab on my show and let them know, hey, I'm going to be on rising, da, da, da. But I can't tell you a time because we record it and then it uploads. So I usually like share it and then um, but I can get better about that. And I used to share it through my newsletter too. So that's something else that, that I can do, but yeah, let me go ahead and bring in uh, Marco. But yeah, I, I am notorious for that. Like people be like, I didn't even know you were going to be on this thing. And I just turn it and there you are. Uh, no, I, I think bad cookies might be, might be speaking about last time when I was on there last time. <laughs> Did David get to speak before Marco does? Yeah, but I don't. Th David, are you speaking, hon? Like, I, you're you're unmuted, but I can't hear you. So let let's try it one more time. I think it might just be your mic. I don't know. Again, I don't know if you're using your phone or if you're using a laptop. Okay, so I guess no, David. What's up, Marco? Yeah. Um... I totally want to second bad cookies and say, we want to hear about what's going on with you. Like I was, I was like immediately worried for you and then immediately relieved because I, I didn't know you were going to the doctor was concerned. So like, I want to hear more for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I can get, I can get better about that. Like it, it was one of those things where like I told, like, I told members of RBN, like when we have our RBN meetings, like I told them that I had that coming up, but I didn't tell anybody else. Um, and it's just because like, I, I guess I didn't want people to worry. Also didn't want myself to worry. <laughs> um, but 
I did anyway. But yeah, I can do better about that. Well, I mean, that's fair too. I mean, you have to have your own, I mean, you have like your own relationship with your work as well. So I get it. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's been kind of crazy too. And I was just kind of like contemplating about it. Like I was like, should I tell them? And I was like, uh, no, I, I don't want to tell them. I want people to worry. But um, what else is on your mind, uh, Marco? Yeah, well, I've got comments about either uh, the Electoral College or Elon Musk and Mars. Where, where do you want to go with it? Let's start with the Electoral College. Yeah, so uh, the 1992 election versus the 1968 election, I think is really interesting to think about because in 92, Ross Perot got 19% of the popular vote, but zero electoral college votes. And in 1968, George Wallace got 46 electoral college votes and 13.5% of the popular vote, which is less than Perot. Wait, so wait, you're so say that again about George Wallace. I'm sorry. Yeah, so George Wallace, he got less popular vote than Perot, but he got 46 electoral college votes, whereas Perot got zero. He got wait, he got 46 electoral college. How? Well, um, George Wallace won Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, and Georgia. Is George Wallace still alive? No, no, he died. He died a bit ago. <laughs> oh, damn. He was, he was a racist, was racist, racist yeah. governor of Alabama. Yeah, oh, he was the guy. one who famously <laughs> stood in the schoolhouse door at the University of Alabama and said, segregation today, segregation tomorrow. And he got 46, 46 electoral college votes? That's right. Yeah. This is America. Huh. Oh, it's all about. But, Ro but Ross Perot got none? It's all about. And he, yeah, exactly. Ross Perot got no electoral college votes, but he got 5% more popular vote. Yeah, it would have been because Wallace won those southern states. So it all goes state by state. With well, electoral he didn't college. even win them. He won them through plurality. So a lot of those southern states, Wallace didn't win more than 50%. Mm -hmm. Well, they call it a win, right? In that system. <laughs> but I know. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, I, I mean both in this two election. Hello? I did mention that like a couple of weeks ago. And then Marco yelled at me. Don't worry about the electoral college vote. It don't matter. <laughs> no, I was just kidding. Um, no, remember when I said, Sabrina, that um, the last third party to win electoral college votes, was, it was in 1968? Now, I didn't, I didn't know how many electoral college votes, but I was just saying, because I was making an argument before, that all these people worried about third parties and talking about, oh, how much of a percentage of the vote they'll get, whatever. I was like, look, that doesn't matter. What matters is the electoral college vote. And the more, as a matter of fact... Um, Roger, you I'm sound distant. 
I, I thought it was just me. Oh. You left me further away from What What about now? You know, I think I think it's because I'm on the bus. Okay, that's Damn what it, it is, because okay. you sound very distant. Yeah, it sounded like you were going under a tongue. Yeah, um, I'm going to see. All right, so what, I guess I was just talking low, because I don't want to, like, disturb other people. But um, it is a... Uh, uh, Oh, yeah. So the more candidates that are in the race, the amount of electoral college votes that you need goes down. Because 270, they only say you need that to win because there's 538 electoral college votes, right? So since there's always only two parties in a race, that's why it comes down to 270 because if you divide... Uh, 538 and a half, it comes to 269, okay? But the more candidates that are in, in the race from different parties or independent or whatever, then that goes down. So if there's three in the race, if you divide that evenly, that comes down to each one getting 179 electoral college votes where the House would have to come in and decide. So it would mean you would need 180 to win. If there's four candidates in the race, then the minimum that you need to win is 135. So th that's what I was explaining before with the electoral college votes. I don't know if anybody heard me because I'm on a bus. Okay, that that makes sense. I'm just still surprised because I didn't realize. So why? So Marco, why do you think it is that no one has, no third party or independent candidate has won electoral college votes since George Wallace? Scariest. It's because none of those candidates convinced any of the electoral college voters. Mm. It doesn't. It doesn't matter how many of those candidates vote uh, convince people, because the people's vote don't count. You have to. You have to convince the electoral college voters because their votes count. And George Wallace was the last one who did. And why? Because he was a racist piece of shit. And the electoral college voters are racist pieces of shit. If you want to win the presidency, you have to seize the electoral college before you can win the presidency. It kind of, the, as I understand it, the way the system is structured is it, it's state by state. And so then each state um, can, in its laws, um, like determine how the electors that go to the electoral college are, are selected. And so we have kind of this basically, it's kind of a de facto system where it's almost, it's almost like a gentleman's agreement <laughs> that, that the electors that, that get selected will go into the electoral college and then vote for, vote according to how their state, um, how their state played out in the election. And, and you have this whole system of, you know, electoral college votes. But yeah, I mean, I, I think technically, they they can um, they can kind of do what they want. It's just it would be a big deal if they didn't. <laughs> you know, and the other part, well, you know, the electoral college vote happens after the people's vote. Yeah, and, and they're supposed to follow the the vote of the of the people. But like I said, it's almost uh, well, yes, like a handshake, no. gentleman's yes agreement. No. You know, no, yes and no, because in some states. They have to follow what the people say. 
Right. It's up and to the state. And in, and in other states, they can vote however the fuck they want. Yeah, it, it's up to state law. It's kind of, you know, we, we have this federal system where where each, each state, to some extent, is its own little government, its, its own little country. And then it kind of it kind of comes together, you know, in these different but, ways. Right. And there's only 538 people who vote in the Electoral College. So George Wallace convinced 46 of the 538 people to vote for him. Yeah, well, I, I think he also won the elect. The I mean, won in terms of won a plurality. No, well, well, uh, yes and no. In some place, I right. mean, yes and no. I mean, like yeah. in, 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 for instance, in in like uh, Arkansas, George Wallace got thirty eight percent of the vote, but he still well, took the state. Say that some states, um, the electors gotta go with who the voters want and in other states electors go with who they want yeah yeah i mean it's up to how the the state laws are written but i, I think the more important the, that's called the national that's called the interstate oh what's it called national popular vote interstate compact you just gave me another idea for, for a valid initiative amendment yes exactly roger that's a valid initiative you can run if your state doesn't require the popular vote to, to, to your electoral college, you should run that as a ballot initiative for sure. Because you would, you would, because once that movement gets 270, then the, the people's vote truly can elect the president. Until then, the electoral college vote selects the president. Yeah, I, I just put the link in the chat to that MPV national popular yeah, national vote. popular vote and it's, it's a real fix. You know, it, it could it's a really real fix, fix this. But it still isn't in place. Right. Yeah, so we need more, not, it needs more states. Need more states. The entire left coast is this way. Washington, Oregon, California. Yeah, it's kind of the blue right. states, right? Yeah. So your state, the electors got to go with what who you want. So the, the way Oregon. it works, so so the way it works, like like Marco was saying, it's kind of it's kind of written as an interstate compact, but basically the state passes a law that says that once enough states have signed on to this compact so that it will swing the election so it'll it'll make the election go work this way then every state is mandated so that whoever wins the popular vote for the president across the whole country then then every one of those states has to give the all their electors to that person and it basically that's, that's, de facto makes it so the the popular vote selects the president it's just a, a way to run the mechanism to to do that I, and you don't need a I, constitutional amendment and you don't need you know all you need is just to get enough state houses to pass it i've heard of that well, well, i've, I've heard of that i was just asking marco is is your state like that where they where the electors got to go with what you uh yes. vote for Yes, my states like that, including Washington and California. Yeah. Oh. Well, okay. I should look. All right, I'm going to try to find out what other states are like that. That's, that's interesting. This is a new one for me. You haven't heard a national popular vote? It's in my 11 demands. I learned about <laughs> it from England. I know about a, a national uh, popular vote. It's just... So well, that, that's like the name of it. Yeah. That's like the actual title of it, NPV, National Popular Vote. But if you go yeah. to like nationalpopularvote.com, it's in there if anyone wants to look at it. Yeah. 
Because my whole thing is that, um, imagine if it actually did go by the, the popular vote, you know? It would help. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, well, I mean, and the other never, thing I-, I mean, here's the thing though, is that it never will, right? Because I mean, it's like, um, it never has been. Since the beginning of the country, the president was never decided by the popular vote. It was always decided by the Electoral College. And the popular vote is like a smokescreen. They don't want the people to decide the president. Because if we had a people's president, they would undo all the evils of the government. And they can't have that. They would kill that person on day one, right? I mean, it's like... I don't know if they would undo all the all the time. You can't join the mafia and reform them. You can't... You can't... You can't undo the slave plantation other than fucking killing the master and burning the plantation to the ground. I don't know, but, um, um, go, well, go ahead, Noah, what were you saying? I was going to say, but here's the problem. And it's the issue like Lonnie Guineer, um, spoke about the tyranny of the majority. If you really just go to a popular vote, yeah, that's a more representative type of a de- democratic approach. But if you are living in a racist society where you can get the majority of the majority to vote for racist things like Trump, you know, the minorities would be in a very bad place here because they would always come together around certain racial issues because it would offer them an advantage and there would be nothing the minorities could do. And so there has to be something, some mechanism in there to, um, contradict the leaning toward the tyranny of the majority. There has to be something to balance that out, something proportional. Yeah, Noel, and I think the way you do that is you dismantle power systems. When you dismantle power, then, then who, you know, maybe you'll have some tyrants, but they won't get very far because they could never hold public office or be in any position of power. They would be, they would be a tyrant in their friend circle or in their families at worst because the system would be able to stop them that, that whole question of of the the power of the majority you know working against the minority was something that um you know you go back to the founding of, of the of the country and the making of the constitution and 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 the 10 amendments was was something that you know they debated and and struggled with and they certainly, you know, got a, a lot of things wrong, but, you know, that was part of, of what they were trying to tackle. And I think, you know, now it's, it's on, you know, later generations, our generations to, to finish the job of, of making it truly um, equal and, and having real democracy while, while, you know, protecting minority rights and just, you know, and just making it it's something good. And, you know, it's also part of that whole thing of, of the, the human species evolving and, you know, people waking up and, and figuring out, you know, that there is a way to do this. And I, I feel like we're seeing signs of that where you have these huge protests in the streets for Palestinian rights and Palestinian justice. I mean, that was, that was unimaginable a few years ago that that would actually happen. And, and here it is happening. Also, so big stuff is happening, and um, you know, it's it's. I'm, I'm hoping it's it's a wave that can you know ride. We can ride to someplace good. 
Yo, that was unimaginable, like, a couple months ago, to be honest. Yeah, in unions and all these strikes, that was unimaginable 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Shit's happening. You're in the minority. We can't hear you, Roger. You're, like, really far away or something. Really soft, yeah. You were up close earlier, like a minute ago. You were really up close, and now it's like you're far well, away. He's been he's been pretty soft for a while, but I mean, he's trying not to be too loud on the bus. Can you hear me now? Yeah, let's really say what again. Only a little better. What about now? And no, yeah. it, it just sounds like you're far away. Are you trying to be nice to people on the bus? Yes. You are you calling um, us from Mars? <laughs> Um, I was just going to say, if you can hear me, um, when you're in the minority, it's up to you, it's up to us to find leverage. So when you don't have numbers, you got to find leverage, which is kind of like what we were saying about the squad, where, okay, you're not big in numbers, but you do have leverage. So it's always important to find what leverage you have. Hmm. And just like that, Roger was gone. I'm still here. Oh, there's Ashura. Um, and sure, Ashura, I invite you to speak. Anything else, uh, Marco? Yeah, I could give you my thoughts on Elon and Mars. Let's do it. So uh, on Earth, if you were to drop a cheeseburger, it would decompose because there's bacteria in the soil. On Mars, if you drop a cheeseburger, it, it won't decompose because there isn't bacteria in the soil. It'll, it'll stay in its state until the sun explodes and destroys Mars, and then the sun would destroy the cheeseburger. So my theory is that when Elon Musk dies on the surface of Mars, his body will be perfectly preserved until the sun burns out. What? Are you trying to tell us that Elon Musk eats a lot of cheeseburgers, Marco? No, I'm trying to tell you he's going to die on Mars because he's nuts. Oh. <laughs> and when he does, his body will be preserved until the sun burns out. Damn. Oh, and Noel, I didn't mean to <laughs> laugh earlier when you said um, we're in a, a, a plantation planet. I didn't mean to laugh. It was just kind of funny because... We've all been saying, like, you got us all saying Plantation Nation. <laughs> so now you said Plantation. I just, you know, I it, it, um, as any type of slide or anything. And it was just one of those things that kind of occurred to me as we were talking. You know, this whole capitalistic thing and this whole consolidation of power I just think there has to be a better way of organizing ourselves as a species to govern ourselves, you know, because well, when I think about things like the the beehives and the ant colony, sure, they have, you know, the servant queen and this, that and a third or the termite queen. But they those are truly servant positions because they're laying all the eggs and this and that. They're not dominating all over the hive and you know, this, that, and I got to have this. And they work in a cooperative way. But for our species, it just seems like 
there's a consolidation of power amongst a few and they cannot help but hoard and and abuse people and abuse their power and you know it's just i think we really and i think it comes from a place you know just like with DeSantis and the book banning ideology and all that these people do not want to engage the discourse and have the big conversations about how we organize and what should be a better distribution of resources. And they don't want to have those conversations and they, they do specific discrete things to make sure we don't. And that's why, you know, I continue to think about this, you know, thing as a plantation because they do the most deliberate things to make sure that people think a certain way and don't think out of a certain box. And I always, I have so much remorse because as Roger was speaking earlier today, and um, I think it was Eric, um, you know, we, I didn't come until this, the place where I understand and think of things the way I do until, you know, Barack Obama's first run, because that was my first invitation to see politics in a different way, this and that. But hell, you know, I'm in my 40s, 50s, 60s, and that's just too late. There needs to be something earlier in our developmental process to get these conversations going. Because by the time, and you know, the reality is people who believe they can master or thrive in this system. They're not thinking about dismantling it. And by the time you realize that the system is dysfunctioning, you're a rat on a wheel, you're 50, 60, 70 years old. And just praying that enough of the young people get it to you know, make a difference. But the whole system is designed in such a way to be self-perpetuating. you know, perpetuating. And it's just such a horror. And we don't have time for all of that. At the end of the day, we really don't have time for it. And you know, the hope, Noel, I have is that there are portions of this country that are yet unconquered. There's a portion of the Navajo Nation that the United States has never fucking conquered. You know, there, I, I, I think that there is hope um, because even though we are a plantation nation and their goal is the plantation planet, we can, that's, that's the next world war is the world war to stop the plantation planet. To me, the, the only real way to, to organize any large group of, of humans is, is with real democracy. You know, and, and to me, that, that's what we need to, to perfect and you know, or at least achieve some real semblance of. And right now, we don't have one person, one vote. We have one dollar, one vote. And so the, the people with with all the billions who have stolen, the, the billionaires who have stolen all these, these wealth and resources in the form of dollars from us have all the votes. And so the real challenge is, is how do we get to real democracy? One person, one vote, period. That's all we need to demand. Democracy is no democracy without direct democracy. Yeah, I mean, that's part of it too. Yeah, because yeah, well, that's the thing. That's why I focus on seizing the means of production. Because when you seize the means of production, then you, you the people. So, if it's going to be dollars for votes, the people have more dollars than the one percent. I just wish there was a way, 
that these types of broad discussions can be engaged in the curriculum as the young people are being educated so that they're educated to see that there is something possible or something to, you know, that can happen outside of what we're preparing them for. You know, because I think about my education and it was very much really a brainwashing into, you know, from pledging allegiance to the flag and the national anthem and all these things to get you indoctrinated into the system. And you learn, I mean, we learned about the three branches of government and how they operate alongside the two parties as if the two parties had a legitimate standing. And it was, you know, even when they talked about the early years when there were other parties, the the framing was always such that, oh, and this is how we evolved to the better place of two parties. And you just never had that big discussion and said, well, you know, maybe, you know, we've come to see that two parties isn't the best approach. Maybe we need, you know, more parties. It's just taught that you know, this thing that we ended up now with the two parties is the best thing since sliced bread and, you know, ooh, this, that, and a third. And by the time you realize that it's not the best thing since sliced bread and that sliced bread wasn't the best thing, you're 90 years old. <laughs> well, I mean, this is why shows like Abby's and RBN's good shows are so important, you know, that education has to come first. It's key. Yeah. Well, the thing, well, the thing is, is that these discussions are happening, and um, Noel, with they, they may not be happening in the, in the way that we came up, but with information being democratized, they're, they're, they're learning, they're seeing it. You know, we, we just, I just want to be able to, to um, inform them about, you know, direct democracy, do cooperatives. Some of them are already doing cooperatives. You know, but let them know about um, citizen ballot initiatives and public banks and so on and so forth. But it is it is happening. They, 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 they're doing it. It's just not it's just very unconventional to mm-hmm. how we came up. You know what I mean? But but they're having them. Um, I want to make sure I bring in um, Ashura. Ashura, you can go ahead and unmute. Uh, hello, Sabrina. Oh, happy uh, 60K. Oh, thank you. Oh, that's that just for you. I'm patting myself on the back, too, because I did predict it. Listen, you and JB, it's funny because JB contacted me earlier today and said, Sabs! <laughs> and you guys, you guys know how JB is, but he said, Sabs! And I was like, so? He was like, you just hit 60K. And I was like, oh shit. He was like, yeah, man. He said, I predicted it. So it was like you and JB, like both have predicted it. Like, yeah, it's well, funny. Other people will make these predictions and I never do. I don't know how far was he, but I predicted that right in the summer. I said that to you. You were like, nah, you were like 53, 53K. Or fifty four k, you were like, oh, I don't, I don't look at the numbers. It's okay, I don't really care. I'm like, you're gonna hit it by December. I think you might have been ahead of JB. <laughs> yeah, um, JB, to- JB told me in October. Yeah, I was, I was busy ahead of him by then. I, I could just pre- predicted it. 
Uh, predictions like then. Four. Then how about this? Who wants to make predictions on when Sabi's going to hit a hundred k? That probably get out on the limb. That's please don't. That's probably. The <laughs> I'm guessing five years from now. Look, it took me two years to get to fifty. Okay. It'll be five years, knowing how YouTube throttles you. <laughs> I'm going to predict uh, next March. So that, that, that's uh, unless, unless YouTube is bought. Unless unless YouTube is bought by somebody else, like a, a, a somebody who's a leftist that basically re- reverses the the uh, algorithm. All right, but, bad cookie says one year. This time next year. All right, we writing these down. It took guys seriously bad cookies. It took me two years to get to to fifty. It took me yeah, two. Sometimes years. these things accelerate though. You ever heard of that. like exponential growth? I just don't want to get hopes up. I want to get. <laughs> I know the algorithms against you. <laughs> I want to get those subscriptions up on Rockfin, on the cooperative. Yep. Rockfin had a share? meeting today. Oh, sorry. sorry, go ahead, Ashura. Uh, I was watching the Kamala video. Uh, I mean, this this woman can't read. and She's she's sleepy. She can't even read. She can't convince me that, that she believes what she's saying. It was like, oh, I'm so bored. I'm like, bro. Just sit down and let somebody else read that speech. Somebody said it sounded like a fourth It's when she pretends to care. That's when I'm like, oh, God damn it, shut up. Because she comes across as so disingenuous. And here's the thing that I was just pulling my hair out. I'm like, how can you sit up there and say, oh, we're sure these the um, Israelis are hearing us when their behavior suggests that they ain't heard a word you said? <laughs> I'm like, girl, go somewhere and sit down. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, yeah. give it to somebody else. I mean, I'll take Karine Jean-Pierre. At they least, yeah. <laughs> they haven't been listening to you yet, and all of a sudden, they're supposed to listen. Yeah, and the shit she said, you you made you made a lot of sense, Sabrina, when she said, uh, Qatar, all these Muslim countries around are gonna help build Gaza. I'm like, what? Why the fuck would they help build Gaza? Like <laughs> they didn't do shit to Gaza. The United States should be footing a bill for Gaza and Israel. That's how I feel about it, Ashura. I'm like, now you want to point to these other countries that had nothing to do with this at all. Now right. all of a sudden you want to tell them that they're gonna help rebuild Gaza. What the fuck? Listen, if I was like in leadership in one of those other countries, I would honestly look at Kamala Harris and say, no, I think the United States government should foot the bill since you were the ones funding them. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure those Muslim leaders, they they thought that. They probably, I don't know if they said it, but I'm pretty sure they thought, like, we didn't basically bomb Gaza. You did. Your weapons. Why would we foot the bill for something we didn't do? And then you want to run away from the situation by saying, oh, you should foot the bill. I'm like, bullshit. I'm not going to foot shit. I'm going to criticize you for it. You foot the bill. You and Israel. And what was that whole thing about minority businesses and contracts? You know, it's just like, uh, well, I guess she was right when she said she wasn't going to do anything for black people. No, you think I'm going to get in here and do something specifically for black people? No. But you know, but but Roger, you know I had to connect that shit. And I know some people yeah. are probably like, well, Sabby, that's a separate story. No, 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 because I'm trying to prove a point about Kamala Harris. Uh-huh. I'm trying to prove a point about her is that she's going to tell you what you want to hear. But in the end, who is she going to protect? 
Yeah. Her peeps. Yeah, she's gonna no, she's gonna protect Israel and her donors. Yeah, so she don't, don't give a fuck. And, and you could tell that the I was like, man, they should have. You should have been that reporter, Sabrina, and just basically make her speechless. Because it seems like her question, her responses were rehearsed. But you you can tell that the Biden administration is in panic mode because they are so deeply wedded to the Israel lobby. And now they're seeing a potential consequence of that. And they it's like, OK, how do we get out of this? Because Biden's numbers are slipping in a precipitous way and they see it as being connected to the Biden's administration and positioning on this Israel Gaza thing. And I just I, I really see this as such a critical juncture because, you know, for Congress to be passing a bill saying essentially equating anti-Zionism with anti-Semitism, I'm like, that is so ridiculous on its head. Because how can you pass legislation to try and conflate things that are not equal and every, you know, people understand these concepts. So no matter what legislation you try and put forward and what this and that, people understand those things. You've lost control of this narrative. You cannot tell me that anti-Zionism is equal to anti-Semitism. You sound like a fool. Well, it's but everything. That, it's but everything the fact that you would try to put that in legislation tells me how desperate you are. What's well, anything to shut down the con- the conversation on Israel because they know Israel's getting the brick across the face. They're getting that like the the what do they call it? The, you know the moves when they put a knuckle like the the iron knuckle in your finger. They're getting that shit. But here's the they're- thing. That type of effort, like trying to put stuff in legislation that's ridiculous, does not change or you know deflate the conversation it inflates it because it's so ridiculous to people are like what the hell are you doing you just lost your mind well yeah that's yep. what the israel lobby yep. does <laughs> they put a bunch of fucking idiots and stupid laws get passed for israel and you know what i told you guys jamal bowman already has a primary challenger they're going to do this to every freaking member of the squad and honestly i hate to say it but maybe the squad, maybe they need to fucking lose so they can be taught a fucking lesson. This is what happens when you try to sit up there. You tell people that you're going to champion for the working class people and you're going to push back against dim establishment. Then you get in there and you go along with dim establishment. Maybe they need to be taught a fucking lesson. I need to bring Cynthia McKinney back on to get her opinion about this. It's been a while. I need to I contact think- her and ask her, what, what, what's your take on all of this? Because Cynthia McKinney was actually very vocal. That's why they pushed her out. Cynthia McKinney said from day one when she got in there, they made her pledge to vow to support Israel. Well, it's not just the squad that needs to be told a lesson. It's the social Democrats who think that the Democrat Party is a trillion times better than the Republican Party. But I think what the opening is, is how vocal the Jews Jewish Americans for Peace or Jewish Voices for Peace, these movements have created a different leverage in the whole discourse because they're immune to the cries of anti-Semitism. And so they have wedged in the discourse and now they add a type of legitimacy 
to the other people who are saying ceasefire, this, that, and the third. And that's why I think there's this panic because the Israel lobbies in all of their different, you know, or nations could use anti-Semitism against everybody else. But now you have this prominent group of Jewish people saying, not in our name, never again, and therefore peace. And so it's like, uh-oh. And that's why the the guy from the ADL was saying, oh, our problem is not Democrat, Republican. Or, it is the youth because they've lost the youth. And so I believe, and that's why I believe we're in such a precarious situation because the powers that be, including the Israel lobby, have lost their footing, but they're not willing to let anything go or change. And I think something is going to come of all of this. And it's not clear to any of us what it what it might turn into. And the youth, I will say this, we all know the youth doesn't always stay youthful, right? Eventually the youth, they grow up to be older adults. The country is changing. And uh, I think some of the old the old fogies, I hate to call them that, but I think they don't know how to deal with it. Uh, there should be the, go go to the grave already. But you <laughs> see, that's all because they the pan the ADL man and all those guys are panicking. They lost the youth because they he said they no longer control the narrative, and that's because information has become democratized. Okay. Yeah. Um. Also, also when it comes to the squad sabrina um i didn't see your uh your um your live of sunday i forgot about it and uh you said you were going to talk about the rashida talib vote and (laughs) at this point she should just just pretend that she's no longer a palestinian because how the fuck do you vote present but you can't vote yes or no or even no I know. I know. But the thing is, is I was just informed tonight on call in that they voted again today. And apparently, like Eric read it to me um, a couple minutes ago. Apparently, I guess they all. What what was it again, Eric? Did you say all the all the squad members voted against it this time? Yeah, all of them. It was 13 Democrats and that includes all the squad members. And 92, 92 voted present, I guess. Okay, yeah, so, so that was a lot of the Dems. That was the kind of their safe space for this one. So the difference yeah, this time, they were trying to say uh, that anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. That but that's, what, that's what they were saying last time, too. But this time around... Um, well, they, they said it even directly in this one, I guess. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, and, then, and then, like, this time around, um, it, was a Jew, it was Jewish politicians that stood up against it. Uh, Jerry Nadler being one of them, apparently. Yeah, I saw that tonight on watching uh, RBN. Because it's kind of weird, though. It's like they they basically voted no for it the first time and then the second time because they it they made them look bad. So now they got to vote a second round to vote. Oh, it, it's, it's we, we don't want to do that. So that, that makes no fucking sense. It's not it's not it's not going to negate the first choice. No, I think it's the language that caused the difference, which is what um like Eric said, they were more direct with. Anti-Zionism equals anti-Semitism, and we know that's not the case. Sure, I put it in the chat. I put the vote yeah. in the chat. Okay, but the point I'm trying to say is, uh, <laughs> you, you can't tell me that you need a second vote. Like the first time, even with the language case, you still know they were bullshitting you. 
I, I wish I would have um, read more about it because I, I don't. I agree with you. I don't understand what the difference, except for the if the language is a lot stronger this time. I can understand why they would vote against it. It's more plain, like okay, so it being ridiculous. It, it kind of. But the first get, time, I agree with you. I don't know why she just voted um, present. What what I would say is it it's it's just it's part of the, the red blue game. It's it's the whole game playing in, in the theater. And so, you know, you'll you you had the first bill that was pushed by the Democrats and then um and then you know the Republicans wanted to do something bigger and, and put something out there that would that would go even that would be that would be even more extreme. And then so they're kind of saying to the Democrats, Well, are you gonna vote for this one? Because they know that there's a whole lot of public sentiment now that's kind of that's killing the Democrats at this point. And so they're playing this game of, OK, you're going to go vote for this one. And so um, so then you got the 13 Democrats vote against it and 92 vote present. And they say, oh, this is just a re Republican, you know, game, you know, a Republican uh um, thing to put out there to just embarrass us, but it's all, you know, it's, it's political theater, it's game playing, you know, and meanwhile, systemically, you know, nothing changes, you know, nothing real happens. The, the kids in, in Palestine are still getting bombed every day. And um, not only APAC, but the billionaires in general control the government. APAC is just the most obvious example right now. And so, you know, they get people caught up in all this theater and this political stuff. Meanwhile, nothing real changes because we don't have a mass of people demanding real change. Uh, to, uh, one correction I'll say to you, Eric, um, it's not the, it's not the, what do you call it? What did you say about the Democrats? What's killing the Democratic Party? It's not the talk that's killing the Democratic Party. It's, a, it's, the, it's the Democratic Party that's killing itself. By a thousand cuts, or is well, it? I, I think what's happening is is just that it's just so undeniable. I mean, you you can't at this point you can't avoid pictures of of dead children <laughs> bombed to death by Israel, and when you have that out there, I mean, it's like it's like when George Floyd got murdered by that cop. You know, it was just right there in video on your face, and and that gets into millions of people's eyeballs and brains and you know that has an effect on people and that's what we're seeing and so the establishment in both parties are kind of desperately trying to deal with that while still keeping their gravy train running and not doing any real changes so that's what i would say they're up to but i see this i see this as an opportunity to summon your fucking courage you see it, we see it, it's clear that the masses of people understand what they're seeing. So why are you scrambling around doing these foolish, like um, Eric says, performative theater things that are going to age horribly in 50, 60 years? People are going to look back and if this makes it into law, people will be saying, well, what were they? Did they not know this? You know, it's just crazy. And this is the time when men and women of conscience should stand up and say, it's wrong, whatever the consequences, I'll have to deal with it, but this is wrong. We must call this and we must turn from all this anti, I mean, this settler colonialist BS. Those people, those children are being pushed to a genocide. We have to stand up and say something. And I think it is such a horrible 
reflection on this country that this deep into the 21st century, our people have so lost their way till they don't even have the courage to stand up when something is truly obvious. I just, I can't. This is why I didn't buy into the uh, ceasefire bullshit. I knew damn well the moment they did the ceasefire, once that ceasefire ended, it would go back to bombing them again. And that's why I said end the apartheid. That was what I was more more a part of. The slogan or thing, just end the apartheid. But yeah, I mean, to, to Noel's point, I mean, this is why I think our our movement, a key part of our movement, is to call out every current member of Congress as corrupt, as not representing us. You know, they're not fit for those offices. And, you know, I would frankly challenge, you know, Cornel West and his campaign to, to take it that far. And, you know, you know if he can do that, he's got a shot. And if he doesn't, you know, I don't know. Well, Cornell would have to have the guts to call Joe Biden for what he is, a, a racist, a genocider, a bigot. An Islamophobe. He's gotten better, but you know. Yeah, the, 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 he keeps saying the milk toast shit. I, I'm like, yeah, we're passing it. Well, through. actually, you know, actually, when I've seen him him talk recently, I, I I've actually it looks to me like like he'll do a spiel and he'll and he'll call out Trump and whatnot, and then he'll talk about Biden, and I can tell in his head he's think I. I I, this is my opinion. Is, is I think in his head he's saying, "Don't say milk toast. Don't say milk toast. They hate it when I say milk toast," and and I feel like he's trying to 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 get stronger on that and 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 get more into that. That's my theory, anyways. I would have called Brad Biden for what he is. I don't know why he, he can't say that. Trump would say it. Trump would say mm-hmm. it, it right in his face. Trump doesn't care. Well, I don't think it's and, fair uh, to compare him to Trump. Trump is a Republican, so of course the. No, Republican I'm not saying. I'm not saying that he's the same that. as Trump. I'm saying that he would say it. He knows. I'm pretty sure he knows. Uh, Biden's right, but, but Trump isn't. But of course, he's going to say that, though. Sure, he's a Republican who is challenging a Democrat. Of course, he's going to say that. But I think I think Asher is I also think, just getting into kind of tone and in, in how to how talking about these things and, and why Trump won. And part of why Trump won is because he would stand up there and say, you're all corrupt, you know, and because he was corrupt, too. And he was terribly, you know, and a liar and whatnot. But, you know, saying that to people resonated and it, it, it took him to the White House. And the thing is, I hear Ashura saying, find the courage of your convictions. Exactly. If you really believe this is the case, say it. Because if if, if, if I was a national and I was in Cornell West's place and I would see this thing going on with the Palestinian thing, that would be my boiling point. I would call him up. I would basically not use that. I would just call him up. He's a racist. Bring up his entire record and say he's been against black people He's been against Muslims his entire life. He's he's a warmonger. He has, he has he been has doing been that, though. I think you just haven't been seeing it. If you look at the videos, and Eric can attest to this, if you actually look at the videos that Cornel West has been putting out, he has been saying those things. Problem is, I think some people have been turned off from Cornel West's campaign because of all the different moves that he's made, so people aren't paying attention anymore. But for those of us, like those like, people like me, I have a show and I'm always looking up this information. I've actually seen Cornell West saying those things in videos, especially since he got new campaign managers. 
So just FYI, he has been saying those things. Okay, I'm not going to deny you tell me that. As for the as for the Muslims that say they won't vote for Joe Biden, one of them said some some something that made me rub me the wrong way. He said about a two state solution. I'm like, really? At this point, you want to talk about two state solution? Nobody How about said no- that on my show. What were you? No, talking? no. I like uh, the no state the solution. Video. I like to offer a third solution, which is the no state solution. We find a way to. Just everyone live together in resources. Well, let's let let's let uh, Ashura finish. What video are you referring to? The one your live stream. There was one today. There was in the video. One of them said that uh, he would want he want to, he would want a two state solution in the video. I'm like, why would you want a two state solution? Well, well, this is the new democratic plate. This is the new democratic talking point. Is oh we need justice for no no it, it, it was it was from the Muslim, be a Muslim two state solution you know it's the yeah, new game those, they're playing those yeah but Ashura those Muslim people that you're talking about are Democrats they voted they supported Joe Biden that was another thing they mentioned in the video they are Democrats because so was, the, the 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 standard Democrat idea is that a two state solution is the most viable option this is why. We push back so heavily on Marianne Williamson because what Marianne Williamson was showing you is that she was no different than the standard Democrat that you already have in office when you talk about the foreign policy issue. She basically was saying the same thing that Joe Biden and other Democrat politicians were saying, which is that there should be a two state solution. But when you ask those people, what about the settlements in the West Bank? They have no answer. Just like tonight, when they asked Kamala Harris, what was the plan? Kamala Harris had no plan. See, that's what I'm that's what I was trying to point to with people like Marianne, because the point that I was trying to show people is she's not that much different. Yes, she may differ in reference to like healthcare and stuff like that. But when it comes to the foreign policy issues, she still wanted to give funding to Ukraine and she agreed with the two state solution. The two state solution is the Democrat standard. So for pe- people like mm-hmm. Cornell and people like Jill Stein, they've gone further than that because they realize that a two-state solution is not going to work because there's too many settlements in the West Bank. Because I assume that those people that were talking, they wouldn't know the history about it, about Palestine, and they would basically not be for a, a two-state solution because that one came out near the end of the video. They do, know, they do know the history, but they're Democrats. So that that's the other thing is like, it's just like people that know the Demo- know the, the history about civil rights in this country. But if you're a Democrat, you may still vote for Joe Biden, even though he wants to give more funding to the police and he doesn't have policies to help out the black community. It's the same thing. So not everybody who has joined on for this anti-Biden campaign grew up abroad. Some of them were born and raised in the United States. So they have that way of thinking. And so if they are Democrats, a lot of them have the standard. Remember, these are people who voted for Biden. These aren't people who sat at home. So they were totally fine with supporting Joe Biden, which tells you that they are the standard Democrats. That's what I'm saying. They're not progressives. They're not social you know, they're not like DSA people. These are just standard, typical liberals. But even they don't want to support <clears throat> Okay. I, I assume these guys were basically 
far far left for me because since they were saying we're not gonna vote, we're gonna we're not gonna vote for for any Democrat. Because I remember Jimmy was saying that he would went back then when he was still Democrat. He was saying, well, he wished that people would just not vote for Democrats for just one election cycle, just to teach him a lesson. Right, but 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 you don't have to be far left to say that. You know, like, like, for example, my friend who voted against Donald Trump in 2020, she voted for Trump in 2016, but she voted against him in 2020 to teach Donald Trump a lesson. So she's she's not far right. She's just a Republican and she typically votes for the Republican candidate. So the thing is, just because they're saying that doesn't mean that they're far left. Like they made it very clear in the video that they're Democrats. Yeah, I did hear they say they were looking for a Democrat. So. And as for uh, Jayapal and Dana Bash, you ever think that sometimes Dana Bash, she looks like a, a Disney animatronic? Somebody put in the chat, and I was trying not to look at it because I didn't want to laugh too much because I, you know. Somebody put in the in the chat uh, the horse emoji. <laughs> he said, is horse face woman? I know there's a cartoon, an adult cartoon with a horse face guy. Jack Horseman? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but but she looked like an animatronic, a Disney animatronic. Those singing animatronics when you take the ride on a boat, some shit. They're fucking singing old creepy dolls. I thought that I thought that was her. They told me it was horse face woman. I, I don't know who the hell is the horse horse face woman. I, I said, that... oh no, I can't because I the reason why I couldn't because I've had people say to me too because like I'm a big Sex and the City fan and like my husband being one of them. He used to always say he felt like Sarah Jessica Parker had a horse face. And that that's what, so when I saw that in the chat, I was like, oh, no, not the horse face thing again. Okay, wait, 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 wait. How, how does someone, what's the deal with the horse face shit? Like, what's the deal with that? I've never heard that one before. It means that their face looks like a horse's face. Oh, okay. To be fair, I have bird face. <laughs> You're a big bird fan. Yeah, because it was kind of weird though. Throwing all the all these debunked question debunked questions at her. And I'm like, why the fuck are you talking about beheaded babies or some shit? Like getting raped. I'm like, what about the Palestinian kids who were who are raped in prison when they went there? You don't think that girl that basically got reunited with her mom that was spent ten years in there, she didn't get raped? Or she knew somebody that got raped? But that's what Pramila Jayapal should have said. That was my whole point was like, you could easily push back on that, but she wasn't willing to go there. Uh, let's bring Brady in. What's up, Brady? Just got to unmute. What's up, Earthlings? Um, so many things going on. You know, uh, we were talking about UFO information earlier, and there's a lot of misinformation going around surrounding that stuff. And uh, my belief is that it's human technology, very human um, government technology. And the alien narrative is really convenient to kind of throw us off the trail. But it's some interesting technology. And if you'd like to kind of decipher the nonsense from the good stuff, there's this guy that runs a museum in Nashville called the Museum of Tarot. And he's done a really good job of debunking Stephen Greer and um, spilling the beans on... Bob Lazar, the Area 51 guy, apparently Bob Lazar was installing 
hidden security cameras in a motel to record people having sex with prostitutes. And he was pardoned when he got caught, which is a big red flag for him being an op. And it's also very Jeffrey Epstein-esque type behavior um, on his part as well as the fact that um, element 115 that he kind of, you know, waved the flag on or blew the whistle on, so to say. Um, an article on that element came out like right before Bob Lazar made that claim. So he could have very, it's more than likely he was reading Scientific American at the time. And um, it's probably where he got the whole idea from. But uh, this guy, uh, Brent Stone, I think is his name from Museum of Tarot, does a really good job of replacing all the nonsense with really good science it's actually a bit liberating and including um, shedding the light on some uh, health benefits that we could be taking advantage of using kind of old but novel technology. And um, he also points out some interesting energy devices and um, people running engines on water and something called nitinol, which I mentioned last time, which is like that aluminum titanium alloy. And it's, you know, you can take night and all engines and run them on excess heat, which we have a whole lot of, you know, all over the earth, which is kind of cool. And just interesting guy worth researching. If you could score an interview with him, that would be amazing. He's kind of a uh, secretive, but not too secretive. I mean, he has a TikTok and everything, but an interesting guy, interesting cases, lots of interesting material to cover there. Very liberating to humanity. And something interesting I've noticed in this whole conflict is that, you know, it used to be that. Zionism or Zientology, as I like to call it, was the thing that we weren't allowed to criticize. And it's like, okay, now we're allowed to criticize Zientology for the first time. And this is kind of like this, this interesting thing where we're having this open conversation about it and they're getting smoked in the debate table, which is great. But I noticed there's still one thing in the room that we're not allowed to, probably a few things we're not allowed to criticize still, but one thing that, one major thing that I've noticed we're not allowed to criticize is the entire cult of Yahweh which is, if you, if you look at it as religions go, like we're allowed to take shots at Scientology all day. We're allowed to drag Scientology through the mud uh, pretty well as a society. But as soon as you start taking shots at any of the Abrahamic faiths, um, you get into trouble with all kinds of people on these, so, you know, quote unquote left. And I've come to realize that the entire cult of Yahweh is like a giant racist caste system. You know, it's like it puts... Jewish people on the top, it puts Christians in the middle, and it puts um, Muslims at the bottom very clearly. If you look at all three texts and put everything together, it's like, oh, this is terrible. This is like, you know, I think it might be where they got the idea for the caste system. Um, but there's a lot of interesting history involved there that's completely, you know how we say that there's like critical race theory? I think we need like a critical religion theory. You know, we need to really go through the history of this cult and it's a religion and a cult at the same time, you know, it has a religious face and then it has an occultic, um, kind of operating system. So it's an, it's an, it's a cult operating as a posing as a religion really, because if you look at the Vatican itself, it's holding so much of human history under lock and key and not allowing scholars to go through it and look at it. And the alternate story that it tells of humanity is, liberating for a lot of people. And, um, honestly, I think a step in the right direction towards, uh, getting past all this nonsense 
um, in the Middle East and, and the, kind of it's a major division tactic worldwide. It's like if racism doesn't get you, then religion will, you know, um, is the way that I see it. And there's a lot of interesting evidence and studies coming out to suggest that uh, the cult of Abraham is just not the uh, it's not what it pretends to be on the surface. Like when you really examine it, um, it becomes very dark and twisted very fast. Um, doesn't matter which side of the cult you, what side of the religion you pick. Um, the God is inherently psychopathic, you know? And, um, I would just love to liberate people, just offer them science. Instead, we need, we need a new kind of religion. We need a new way to get together where everyone can practice spirituality, which I would define as healing the body on an electromagnetic level, like on an emotional level, on a mental level and on a spiritual level, the spiritual level would be the electromagnetic level. And there's a lot of different ways we could do that, um, very cheaply on a budget. And that's what is covered a lot in the Museum of Tarot's material. Um, I forget his name, Brent Stone or something like that. But he's written a new book, lots of interesting psychic material in there. If you're interested in how psychic powers work, um, he can very clearly explain it using uh, Dr. Michael Persinger's work. And um, it's all really interesting stuff. And um, I think very liberating for people if we were just to kind of, you know, pull the veil back on this wizard of Oz situation that we have going on and realize that our enemy is really just an old man, you know, like, and it really is as easy as us kind of picking up, uh, picking our, picking each other up. You know, I've noticed a lot of really good work going on in the unicorn party. Um, they have a fantastic mutual aid network. Um, really cool people, very active, very responsive, which, I consider cool. And I'm interested in the debate that Dr. West has coming up. I think if we can promote, I mean, of course, my largest criticism of Dr. West is that he is a Christian, of course, but I also think that happens to be one of his um, biggest strengths because he could actually use that in the election. So that, that could be a, a good thing actually. Um, but, uh, you know, so take, take everything I said with a grain of salt um, and just examine the evidence yourself is what I would recommend because there's a lot of really interesting evidence coming out, including ancient drug use um, throughout Christian uh, history and all the ancient human history. And that's been really taboo to talk about, but that's a, a new area of science or I don't know if you say not archaeology, maybe. But um, Brady, real lots quick really before I forget, everybody keeps telling me to bring on Whitney Webb, but I went to the Unlimited Hangout. And there's no option to select Whitney Webb for an interview. Does anybody know how to reach her? People who can reach her. If you reach out to Derek Bros, Derek Bros can get a hold of her. I've been telling you to interview Derek Bros because he was running for mayor of Houston. And get him anyway. Interview that guy anyway. He's the he's leading the Freedom Cell Network, or he's uh, spearheading that and organi doing a lot of organizing there. He's helped to break up a lot of... Uh, creepy oh, spell wait a minute spell his name derek d-e-r-r-i-c maybe c-k d-e-r-r-i-c-k b-r-o-z-e and he's like i forget what his web page is called it's like unlimited not unlimited i forget but you you can't he's miss a journalist? Him his name derek yes journalist derek bros out of houston texas 
cool, very cool, brilliant dude. You're gonna love this guy. I just found and, him. Okay, I just found him on Twitter. Yeah, I think this will be like a beautiful coming together of the minds for RBN and then like the kind of southern. He can kind of like rock the southern wing of Texas in that aspect. And um, very cool guy. He can get a hold of Whitney Webb for you for sure. Um, also, maybe. Um, James Corbett of the Corbett Report. He's relatively responsive, probably more responsive than Whitney. And of course, she's got the new family thing going on. So there, there's that and everything. But I think she is doing interviews. I think are putting new stuff out every, like once a month, she'll do an interview or something like that. So I know she, as far as I know, she's still putting stuff out. So good luck to you there. We'd all love to see that. Yeah, that's great. And of course, uh, I think a proxy debate between Dr. West or somebody just pretending to be Dr. West and then somebody who legitimately supports uh, Donald Trump and Joe Biden, have them all debate in proxy, um, uh, like in place of the presidential candidates because we're not getting that debate. I would love to host a debate with a third party and independent candidates. The only problem is RFK Jr. would not come on. So it would just be Cornell West and Jill Stein probably. Like they would probably do it, but RFK yeah, I- would not come on. I know for a fact you can book Jasmine Sherman of the Unicorn Party for $150 for a debate. <laughs> She'll show up. So Jas- Jasmine Sherman <laughs> is running through the Green Party and she's still seeking that. That's the other thing, too. Like, so since I interviewed Jasmine, apparently she switched over to the Green Party. So that's the other thing. So, but yeah. I would I would love to organize Unicorn a Party still pretty. The Unicorn Party webpage is still up. All her people are still representing the Unicorn Party. It's kind of like, I think they're kind of doing it like they're playing both fields. You know, it's like, hey, if she doesn't get the green, then she's going with the Unicorn. It's getting confusing. It's getting confusing because, like I said, like, she went on to a bunch of shows when she was running as an independent. And then people are like, oh, she's part of the Green Party. I'm like, okay, cool. But then when I talk to people in the Green Party, they tell me that she's not a candidate. So I'm really confused. Like on some sites, she's listed as a candidate for the Greens yeah. and the other ones, she's not. Yeah, and apparently like, like her and Davi sure. are not, her and Davi have not qualified for, um, for um, any representation or debate. The, the states, the states, they're not yeah. qualifying in the states. See, that's the thing. Like Jill qualified for California. Dobby didn't, and I don't think Jasmine did either. So that's the other thing. But I would, I would love to host like an independent third party debate. Like I said, it's just the fact of people are like, "Where's RFK?" And I'm like, "You should ask uh, his communications director." If RFK, if RFK is too much of a coward to show up, I'll pretend to be RFK. I can pretend to be him and I'll just pretend to be RFK. You could ask me questions like RFK and I'll I'll answer it like him. And if he doesn't like the way that I answer the questions like him, like in proxy, then maybe he should show up to the next one. Maybe that'll encourage him to show up to the next one. I think proxy debates are problematic because it's really a type of misrepresentation. I mean, if the person doesn't want to show up, they don't show up. That's that. But I think, it, you know, you can really do some damage with a proxy because people may not fully understand the dynamic. So I just think either that person shows up or if they don't, you just deb- have the real debate with the real candidate. Yeah, I can't have someone stand in for someone like that. That would not be fair. Um, 
doesn't go into any left shows. So that that in itself lets you know exactly what's happening there. Yeah, but you know what else isn't fair is running for president and then running away from the debate table. That's super unfair. So that's why, I, and I'm glad it does damage. That's the point is to do. But here's the to, thing: and to highlight the hypocrisy. If of you want to run, of, and you're running from the debates, and you can win like that, let's see you do it. You know, at the end of the day, if you're going to avoid the people you're not going to have the people to vote for you. So, you know, at some point you have to show up and do something. Yeah. We need to bring heat. Well, right. Right. We need to bring the heat fast and early this election cycle before they kind of steamroll over us. You know, we need to be demanding these kind of conversations outright and in the streets and digitally um, on social media. The comment section works we're all demanding these debates in the comment section overnight, they wouldn't have many places to run. Sabrina. Uh, yeah, uh, go ahead and then I'm gonna wrap up pretty quick. What's up? So, Reiterate before I go um, that James Corbett is a really good connection to get a hold of Whitney Webb, and he's a really good interview. He called Solutions Watch, which is all based on solutions, like actual tangible things we could be doing to make real tangible change happen. It's a very cool uh, segment. Highly recommend it for everyone. He just got back on YouTube, so show him some love. And good luck to you um, in hosting all the debates and getting all the interviews. And congratulations again on 60K. You deserve it. That's what hard work is about. And yeah, keep working hard and keep asking the right questions. And you'll get wherever you need to be in no time. So um, guys, stay cool. Have a good Thanks so much, Brady. Um, guys who are speakers, anything else before I head out? Much love to everybody. And have a good Congratulations again, Sabrina at 60. <laughs> um, and good morning. Oh, thank you. Case, next time I'm in New York, I need to let you know ahead of time. I know you're in New Jersey. I don't know how far. No, I, I, I'm, I'm in New York right now. Um, next next time I'm there, I need to let you know because like Indy left was like, how long are you here? Why don't you let me know? And I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't think about it. Because I didn't really announce it per se. I was just like, yeah, I'm going out of town. Bye. 
Um, but <laughs> next, next time, it would be great to meet up, Case. Yeah, that was cool. That I saw the picture with you and Roger. I was jealous. So definitely next time, hit me up. Me and Roger? I thought I saw a picture with you with Roger, no? I didn't know. Yeah, well, no, I, I sent it to him. Oh, okay. I was about to say I didn't post that because I had to edit because the sign in the background was not yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my bad. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. You did send it to me. You did DM it to me. That's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 It'll be it'll be cool. I'm sure Case will be taller than me, too. Everybody's taller than me. Like, da- by the way, Danny Haifong is super freaking tall. Like, super tall. <laughs> nice. That was, you know, it's Case, that was funny as hell. I walked into the bar and I saw Sabrina's uh, uh, looking out the corner of her eye, like, Roger! Nice. <laughs> Roger's taller than me, too. I was, oh, it, I was just like, All right, I'm going to walk in here and she's going to be probably the only black person in the bar. So. <laughs> and she was. Granted, there were only like five people in there, too. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is Boston, like that Dave Chappelle show said, 90, 90% white, 10% black. Well, no, this was in New York. I wonder this how many in- New York fans you have, Sabrina. Like, maybe you could do a, a meetup, or, or I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot of New Yorkers yeah. that are, um, and some of them that do left independent media. Like a lot of the people, a part of um, Indie News Network are in New York, mm-hmm. like Lucy, um, Big Mad Crab. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's Lee, not with them anymore. Just to let you know. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, I know uh, Katie Indie Helper Black. is in New York also. Who? Who? What? Katie Helper. Help yeah, I was gonna try to meet up with Katie, um, but she was in Maine. Oh, okay. she was traveling because it was Thanksgiving weekend. She was traveling. Okay. Um, but I, I did get to meet uh, Roger and Danny. I got to hang out with Danny for quite a while. So I think Chris Hedges in, is in New Jersey, I believe. Yeah, he's in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, and Indy Left is also in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, and Amani Amani Oakley, I think, is also in New Jersey. Yeah, she's definitely in New Jersey. I met up with her before. Yeah. She's very outspoken, by the way, you guys. Like, I know she ran for office, but yeah. uh, Amani Oakley said that, I guess she saw my Cory Booker clip, and she mm-hmm. retweeted it, and she said, everybody needs to watch this. She said, I used to work for Cory Booker, and I'm glad I left. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Um, she's great. Yeah, like, she's she's really awesome. Like, there are a lot of people in that area. That's what I was saying before. Like, a lot of people in indie media are either mm-hmm. in New York because I think isn't yeah Jordan Sheraton's in New York. Um, yeah. Majority Report people are there. Um, Jordan Sheraton is my neighbor. What? <laughs> that dude, he's in New Jersey. He's like ten minutes from. I met up with him twice. Wait, so Jordan's in New Jersey? Yeah. He used to be in Long Island. I think he probably was, but after he got married, he probably moved out to New Jersey. Hmm. Yeah, I think his parents are in Long Island. Yeah, I think you're right. Either Massapequa or Massapequa Park. But yeah, yeah there's like hardly there's nobody black. here in New England, to be honest with you guys. It's me and David Pacman. I'm not kidding. <laughs> that's that's what you got here. It's Sabrina. Your progressive crush, Sabrina. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was progressive crush. Matter of fact, Craig Costa is from Amityville, which is the village right next to Jordan's. Right oh, next really? to Massapequa, yeah. Yeah, uh, originally, yeah. 
Oh, but yeah, I, did, I, I thought he was in he, LA this whole time. He's he's originally from New York. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah you can't you can't tell Case with the accent. Well, like when he talks, yeah, he does have an accent, like a New York accent. Now that I think about it, but I, I always associate him with LA. Well, I'm he's there. always fighting Kit about pizza and all yeah. that stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah, oh, me and Kit got into some pizza wars too, you know. <laughs> My dream, Sabrina, is to have a kind of um, like how they used to do Politicon back in the before COVID. Like if the leftists can get um, all of our pundits together to do some kind of, some kind of thing like that, it would be really cool. I think. Yeah, you know what? They stopped doing that after COVID. Like, after even COVID. now, they yeah. don't do it. But the thing is, I don't even think that they would invite the smaller channels. I think it would you just be You'd be, be surprised. Typical... You'd be surprised. I met, I went to the last um, Politicon that happened, and I met with Nico. Matter of fact, Nico hooked me up so that I could get VIP passes and, and everything. That was before I even started Case Study QB. Um, and, and then I met Kyle Kalinske. I met... Um, Tim Tim Black was there too. I've met uh, I met Brianna Joy Gray, and this is all before I started my channel, so they didn't know me at that time. And it it was really cool to meet them all in person. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think I would be one of those people that would be invited though. <laughs> they invited Nico. They invited Nico. So you know. but Nico, but at that point in time, Nico was still supporting a Democrat. He was um, supporting Tulsi. Yeah, he was actually. Yeah, he was. Hey, uh, Sabrina. Oh. Yeah. You know how people were saying that um, Gavin Newsom is not running. Now I'm now I'm starting to think maybe Biden will be replaced because his numbers are dropping fast. Well, that debate Gavin Newsom had with Ron DeSantis. Um, I'm sorry, Gavin Newsom wouldn't win against Trump either. Uh, yeah, but they're going to replace him anyways because <laughs> Joe Biden's not really a. He's brought, he's he's like he's like the face. He's he's not the face that you want to basically run against because Trump is gonna win again. It, it's a fact. Plus, Biden did say that he didn't he didn't want to run again. That he would he would have he would have liked being a one term president, and then he did he decides to run again. Now it's come back to bite him in the ass because now they, now people are saying they want to make him a one term president if he runs. Well, he should have thought about that before he chose Kamala Harris as a vice president. But the thing is, the thing is true. Like, I mean, I, I, I still think they're going to try to go forward with Joe Biden. I really do. Because just because everything I've seen so far, I think Gavin Newsom would be a mistake if they put him in. Again, California is a fucking mess. And I have friends that live in California. And these are friends that moved to California years ago. And so they've talked to me over the years about the decline. So I think that, you know, California's a mess. I think that would really hurt him. Um, Kamala Harris obviously can't even get like a freaking delegate in her own home state. So that's going to be a problem. And I think that, um, yeah, I think they're still going to try to push forward with Joe Biden, which is crazy. But I think they're going to try to do that. Oh, that's, that's rude. Uh, Do you think Mark Cuban will enter the race? Mark Cuban? Yeah. Um, I don't think so. They they asked him about this a couple years ago too, and he just wasn't really interested. Um, I think Mark Cuban just likes being a businessman. Um, there's also the factor of we've already passed the deadline for some of the states. 
to get ballot access. So that's the thing. Like if you were going to run, you should have announced this year. Uh, next year is going to be very tough for anybody wanting to announce. Um, I mean, it still could happen, but I just think it will be harder next year. I did just see an article saying that Liz Cheney is thinking about running as a third party yeah, uh, candidate to prevent Trump from winning. No. I don't think that's going to help her. Like, honey, you lost miserably in your own home state. Plus, guess who daddy is? He's the one that basically killed the economy. Yep. And I guess a bunch of people to their desks. Uh, you don't want to do that. Uh, I, I, I was thinking about something. I pre- Damn it. Yeah, it was right at the tip of my tongue. Uh, oh, yeah. If, with this Palestine thing, and you've said it before, Sabrina, that people should just stop identifying as Republican and Democrat and just go independent. Do you think yes. it might push a bunch of young people to go straight independent and say, fuck the Democrat Party? From what I've heard on the ground from people, yes. Because I can just tell it. you, this is what I'm telling you guys, don't listen to mainstream media when it comes to people voting for independent and third parties this time around. Because I've spoken to a number of people who do vote who are not, like, either they've left the Democratic Party or they're just like, fuck all of this. Um, I think, you know, don't sleep on Cornell West and Jill Stein. I know RFK Jr. is polling really well as an independent but don't sleep on them. Do not be surprised if they get more support than you expect. Now yeah, we gotta just—we have to turn them toward uh, uh, looking at the initiatives, also. You know yeah, because I mean? to me, Democrats have with Palestine and Israel is exposed their asses as just two right-wing parties. There is no left wing, and what happened with the that state in Florida? Jen Uger is surprised. Marianne is surprised. That new guy is surprised. I'm like, what did you expect? So, how about we start? A lot of times, when these people run for office, at least for an executive position, in terms of president, governor, or mayor, or county executive, or town supervisor, we usually ask them, what laws? will you pass, or we want these laws passed. But what we never ask is what laws are already on the books are you going to enforce? There are plenty of stuff that the president can do without Congress and without having to do an executive order. Simply enforcing the laws on the books will be enough to help us. Did you know Sabrina, do you know about the um, the, the, the 501c4 uh, scandal that happened in 1959? No, but I don't have time to go through it right now. <laughs> All right, well, I'll save it for later, but I'll send it to you, okay? Okay, yeah, send it to me. <laughs> but they can, they, there's plenty of stuff that they can do. Thank you. Send know that I mean? to me as too, as Roger, because I'm trying to form a 501c4, so I don't want to. Oh, did you see? Yeah. Case, did, Case, did you see what I sent you? No, I, I, I gotta look it up. I gotta look at it. Okay. okay. Do gotta head out, though, because I, I do have early okay. start. Um, Are you gonna I, be on I'm Rising? Gonna be, I'm gonna go see Miko Polite tomorrow night at MIT. Miko Polite is coming here to speak about Israel and Gaza. So um, I'm gonna go see him. Uh, tonight. 
at MIC. Oh, wait, uh, Sabrina, the uh, Nico Polite guy, um, you mentioned that one guy that said that he got his niece blown in front of him by a Palestinian. Is that the same dude, or, or, or am I thinking somebody else? That's the same guy. That's the guy that said that he his father was a general? Yep. Okay, okay. I thought they were two different people. Okay. How did you get find how did you get in contact with that guy? Um, they contacted me actually. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they contacted me. Okay. All right. I got a head up. All right, guys. Let's all meet up at the next big protest and rally. Bye. Trans- transform and roll out. See ya. Bye.